Now our next guest captured the hearts of the nation as one half of a South London street act. The ultimate Britain's Got Talent champions. Glenn Murphy was struggling with his mental health and he's now opening up about his experiences. Behind the cameras, for you, there was something else going on. So the winner of Britain's Got Talent, the champions, 2019, is Twisted Pulse! It was kind of the biggest high of my life, but I was also going through the biggest low in my personal life. And it just felt like the fakest thing I've ever done in my life. Men specifically yeah. are struggling so, so much, which is why I wanted to create a campaign and, and get guys on board to get talking. I was the person that wasn't speaking and I was the person that needed the help. So how can I expect the men around me to open up if I won't do the same? Why did you feel like you couldn't tell people? I've always tried to be a like she saved my life. And if she wasn't around at that time, I don't know what I, what I would have done. You made it through whatever thing that was destroying you mm. and you're here now you, you have to help yourself before you can give the right love to other people what were the biggest obstacles that you faced during that time a lot of it was before we start this podcast i want to let you guys know about a campaign we have just launched a kickstarter to raise funds to complete the film traumality which highlights childhood trauma and the things that happen to us within our childhood and our mental and physical well-being later on in life. We are trying to get to £11,111 and so far we have raised over £1,000 in just 24 hours which is absolutely insane but if we don't reach our target we don't see any of that money and we do need it to create this film and have the best possible production value. Now there are incentives for doing this which you can check out on our campaign page Follow us on Instagram at Traumality or go to our website, Traumality.com, where you'll see full details and a link to the Kickstarter campaign will be within the caption of this video. Or if you're listening on Spotify or any other podcast channel, you can head to our website and Instagram for full details. Anyway, enjoy this episode. How's it going, Glenn? Yeah, all good, mate. How are you? <laughs> I'm really well. Good, good. We've had an eventful day today, haven't we? Yes. <laughs> so we're shattered. <laughs> <laughs> Just to give perspective to people listening and watching, we've spent all day in London today working on a campaign that you're working on. Yeah. But first thing I want to ask, how are you? Um, I'm good. I'm exhausted, if I'm honest. Not just physically from today, but just in general, I think I'm keeping up with... The campaign, the content, the obviously it's quite um quite heavy and a lot of the responses are amazing, but also again a lot of people are offloading, which is exactly what I want, but it's mentally a lot to take a on. Lot. Yeah, a lot to take on, but in a good way, but it puts you in that place quite a lot because you're reading really deep and meaningful messages. But obviously, as you can imagine. How are you doing to deal with that yourself? Um, it's kind of just giving me energy. It's drive. It's giving me purpose. It's the, it's the reason I'm doing it. And I think every time I read one, as as much as it might be slightly emotionally, like heavy, it's also like okay, that's why. So it's the call. Cool, let me carry mm. on editing. Let me get onto the next bit of content. Let me. What's the next part of the campaign that can reach more people? It, it kind of pushes you with that energy. So, yeah, it's good. I'm I'm, I'm excited. But I asked you, how are you doing? Like, how are you feeling yourself? Um. Yeah, I'm I'm okay. I'm gonna go with okay, not good, because that's easy to say. I'm okay. Um like I said, I think I've I've not really had a moment to sit and kind of sit in how I feel for a while because I've been so mm. overworked, I guess. Mm. But um for the right reasons. 
So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah, no, I've been for a very stressful time actually the yeah. last few weeks. Just yeah, lots of ups and downs, personal mm. life. Yeah. Um, just about managing to cope with it and mm. and get through the hard times and yeah. I think it's important to sit with your emotions. Yeah. I know sometimes it's easy to to uh, fill your days with the stuff that you're doing and kind of mm. what I find is when you put your emotions to the side, mm. they build up, build up, build yeah, up. Yeah. And then later on, they, they, yeah, they yeah. show up in, you know, in bursts or in yeah, certain sure. negative feelings and stuff like that. Yeah, <laughs> I, think, I think the, the stress of keeping on top of things is definitely like building on the anxiety side a lot. Mm. Um, a lot of the big moments that have come to like fruition through the campaign have always started in quite a stressful place. Like, uh, for instance, releasing like the short film that's going with the campaign, like the day into the filming, like I had panic attacks in the morning and it was very like a lot of worry about will it, will it go right is everything sorted am i on top of it like not wanting to waste anyone's time just all those worries kind of mm. building up and layering on top of things and um would you say that you're naturally somebody who worries about these sorts of things yeah I, yeah i've always been a worrier i'm always worrying that is everyone else okay is everything all right i worry you know i spend a lot of time checking in on everything else and i think just doubling down on knowing the, how important it was to me it made it even more kind of scary and also very like vulnerable because it was the first time I was explaining this is what I'm doing it's a song this, this is why you're doing the it campaign well. this is why I'm doing it oh is it your f and then going into that um yeah just built up a lot of tension and a lot of like yeah anxiousness towards because they're all new people as well so you, you kind of have your close circle and people that you might have started to feel more comfortable in them settings and in them places but this is about people outside of that and mm. being vulnerable on purpose to allow other people to feel like they can and they can, you know, um, share and stuff. And open up. Yeah, and open up. But yeah, the, the pressure of it has been a lot, if I'm mm. honest, yeah. What would you say is your purpose of this campaign that you're doing? Um, main purpose is is to get men talking, especially like, I know that sounds just very generic, but I think it's said so much generically, but actually I'm actually having the conversations rather than here's a campaign out, I hope people start talking. I'm going out and having the conversations. Mm. So recently we did a project with my friend Caspian called Brunch Brothers that he's been running in schools and for the last six years. And we got a group of 10 strangers and we sat down for dinner and just talked mm. about a month and a half. So we had the conversation, you know, and we filmed bits for content and stuff. But the, the evening was just about us having a brotherhood and, and being able to speak about things and getting to know people that we never open up to. And mm -hmm. that's just, that's what I wanted. You know what I mean, if I just did that evening, it was special enough to have walked away from this and felt like, great, we connected. And I feel like I've found friends and brothers in those people. And I feel like I can speak to them and I think they'll be able to speak to me as well. So, you know, it's already ticked there's, the box that I wanted. There's a power in that, you know, expressing your vulnerability and just being open about how you're feeling. Mm. When you're in a, a group doing that, you kind of bond I feel like a lot stronger yeah. off the back of that. <laughs> it's insane. And you realize as well that you're not the only one going through things. There's other people that have yeah. their own worries, their own problems in their life, which 
are the biggest thing in their world. You yeah. know? So yeah. yeah, I think that's that's an, that's definitely an important thing. Talking yeah. about how you're feeling. Also like delving deep, seeing where these problems or feelings may come from. Yeah. And just la- like not labeling it, but we had a thing where it's call calling a thing a thing. So rather than I think that this or I kind of was, it was, I, this is happening to me. Mm. This is the feeling and saying that. And it was funny because as we went around the room and everyone spoke, someone would be like, so I kind of feel like you, yeah, or, yeah. I think I struggle with, you think you struggle and we'd we, catch each other out and everyone would start laughing. It's yeah, like, yeah. okay, I struggle with, <laughs> and it's really when you start to like put your foot down I on stuff like that, it's powerful. I, I find myself doing that a lot. I do that when I'm <clears> almost <throat> not sure that I want to talk about that thing. Yeah. So I'll say, kind of think i know i think that way mm. but i'm kind of almost worried to express that's the way i feel or the way i am yeah and especially um, when you're in a group of strangers yeah and that's what makes it powerful because by the end of the evening everyone's crying everyone's mm. hugging and it's like you're in a different place and but that pressure's kind of off and you're kind mm. of stripped down you yeah know? yeah yeah you really like some people don't even have those conversations with some of their closest friends do you know what I mean? So to meet someone that you've never met and tell them something you've not even told your best friend, mm. it's you know it's crazy. Do you feel it's easier to do that in that setting with strangers than to do that with friends? Yes, definitely. I definitely think it is because I think you you know you you have things that you may have withheld. You have conversations that you're reliving in your mind that sometimes. You're trying not to step back on a maybe a conversation you've already had that could have ruffled feathers. So you, there's lots of other worries and like boundaries. But when you've got someone in front of you you've never met, what you say is what you say. Mm. What it is is what it is. And it's not I'm saying that, oh, are you saying that because the last time I, it's it's linked to too many things and there becomes a worry and an anxiety about it and mm. or how they're going to go away. Oh, he's going to go and tell Johnny about that thing and Tommy about that thing. And it's not. Yeah, you know I mean, you never have that worry because this person is sitting with you in front of you and that's all you have to work mm. on. And that's why Brunch Brothers is such a powerful thing and we definitely want to do a lot more of them in the future, for sure. I think it's definitely important, especially for men. I, it is important. I don't think it's important. It is important. Good man. I think, I think. <laughs> exactly that, exactly that. Um, I want to know more about your childhood. Okay. What was it like? What, you know, what do you remember from it, how you you felt during that time and... Your relationships with your dad and your mum? It was really good. It was really, really good. And my mum and dad split up when I was quite young. I want to say like 10 or 11. But they stayed friends. My dad was always there still. Every other weekend, plus throughout the week. If I needed extra, if I needed to get dropped to dance classes or karate or whatever I was doing at the time. Was always there, sat in the car and waited till I finished rehearsals and dropped me home still. Amazing. Still came around, was allowed in the house, could come up to the room and play PlayStation. And like, there was never a me at the door and leave. And, mm. you know, we and my dad had our fun because we could, you know, go to his place and then have Rabinas and waffles and, you know what I mean? Have this like guy time and yeah, play yeah. games and watch Kung Fu films. Um, Stuff that mum might not have allowed if it was, you know. Yeah, it felt more like a, you know, an outing, like Dad. a, you know, lads, lads, lads kind of party kind of thing. Um, yeah. But I think that caused a lot of strain between me and my mum because my mum had the, me going to school, my uniform, and the pressures the not of not so fun stuff. Not so fun stuff, yeah. And I was my room being messy. I had the space that was part of her space and leaving stuff out, and so a lot of that was her obviously trying to, you know take care of me and look after the house and mm. keep money coming in and all the things that 
people worry about. Um, so that caused quite a bit of tension with us as I got like into my teens and stuff like that. Whereas me and my dad have always never really had tension in any kind of way. It's always been a very, we're very competitive. Our energies are very, my dad's very, he'll see me, give me a hug and say, oh, I feel quite musty. How many press-ups can you do? Yeah. And that starts us doing press-ups challenge. Like yeah. that's literally me and my dad to a T. Like, Love that. oh, can you see the end of the road? Ratio. Ah, it's that. Yeah, like yeah. constantly always like that. Um, which is why I'm so competitive in general with everything I do in life. Um, Same, I can definitely relate to that. Yeah. Me and my dad would be in competition with everything. Everything. Whether it's table tennis, pool, mm -hmm. and he'd never let me win as well. No, no. And he thrashed me to begin with, but <laughs> yeah. that teach me to do better and be better yeah. and be competitive and to excel in those things. Yeah, you know, 100%. Yeah. So me and my dad have always had that relationship. But um, I had a good family, quite a big family, no brothers or sisters. So like... You know, at home, it was just imagination. I think that's where a lot of my, like, creative side came from. Mm. So I used to have loads of toys and, you know, action figures and whatever you want to call it. And I used to just create stories and fights and all that sort of stuff. And my mum obviously just used to leave me to that. And I was pretty good in my own company. I can vouch for that just to interject. One of the, the most creative people. <laughs> and you. just, like, <laughs> when we've worked on projects to tell people at home, you come at things from a different angle, mm. which I've Thank never you. really seen before from many people. My mind kind of runs away with me. It yeah. Just, uh, like in a good way. But it's like I can't I can't stop imagining the next thing. So sometimes I just have to get it all out. And that's I think that is a childhood thing and something that I've always kind of had. And I had loads of cousins and all my cousins were like really close to me growing up. Um, mm. So yeah. Your parents splitting up, do you, do you feel it affected you in any way during that time? Yeah, like I... I remember knowing it was going to happen. I remember like the last, the late night fights and shouting and sitting on the balcony, listening over and running back mm. to my room. Like I remember all of that sort of stuff, stuff you kind of see in the films, but they were very, very good at making sure that their problems were their problems. And it wasn't a family thing. It wasn't mine. Even my dad saying he was going away for a bit and stuff like that. Like it never felt like he was disappearing. It was sad. But he was there the next day when I needed him. Like I said, if there was anything extra, I never felt like he wasn't there. And I never felt like I was just with my mom or just with my dad or anything like that. It just it just worked. Mm. And I think they they consciously made an effort. I never went without, you know, and we were not well off. Like I know even looking back at old pictures and stuff, I always knew at the time, but like they didn't have any money, like where we lived, what the the way the house was, like we were, you know not struggling but we could we could say we were struggling but we never would did it feel that way at the time no because that's what i mean my mom and dad never let me feel like that when playstation came out i got a playstation mm. when playstation 2 came out i got a playstation 2 but i didn't realize at the time the sacrifice they were doing all year to make sure that i got a playstation 2 at the end of the year mm. because we were you know had secondhand everything else and hadn't decorated the house and still had a hole in whatever in the kitchen and do you know what i mean like stuff like that that i look back at now and realize like like we were on the edge. Like I definitely had them school shoes far too long kind of thing. But <laughs> Flipping over the edge. Yeah, right? do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But again, like that's all in hindsight. At the time, they never made me feel like we were not with, like, you know, just didn't have money. We didn't just mention it. it wasn't yeah, like it a, never a felt thing. like that. Yeah, I never went without and not in a privileged way, just in a way that they just wouldn't allow me to not, do you know what I mean? They always made sure that I mm. had, you know, and I was, I'd like to think a good, 
a good kid as well. You know, I mean, I was rarely ever in trouble, mm. rarely did anything that was going to, you know, not allow me to, you know, be seen as someone that deserved, you know, to be treated well and stuff like that. And yeah, they always made me feel loved in that. So I had a very blessed, like, childhood from that perspective. And like, I was very close with my family, my cousins. My mom's one of nine. So wow. loads of aunties and uncles. My dad's got a brother as well. And my granddad on that side was very close to me and my cousin. And yeah, we our Saturdays were at my nan's house with everyone there, all my cousins. And it felt very much like that growing up. I know you said the anxieties you're going through at the moment is mm. like the panic attacks you were having about worrying about other people yeah. and making sure everything's okay. Do you feel that there's anything from your childhood that that could have linked from and um, trying to make sure anybody was okay or anything like that yeah so <laughs> not many people know but i one of my cousins had muscular dystrophy Duchenne's muscular dystrophy and if you don't know what that is it's a like a muscle wasting disease so as he got older his muscles deteriorated so he went from you know living a very normal life very young to not being able to walk wheelchair bound and as he got older he lost mobility in other areas body stiffened up things like that and growing up i didn't i didn't understand why he was losing these the ability to do these things and he had um the best energy like he was the person you play, we play playstation with and had all the wwe posters on the wall and the anime and all that sort of stuff and me and my other cousins just go around there and play games and stuff like that and he was in his wheelchair and he was just our cousin it wasn't like the cousin who has the illness kind of thing mm. even though we knew it and obviously he had to live his life a certain way and the house was a certain way because it's disabled access and all them sort of things and um i think that built in a very like the caring thing because we as like we were the younger cousins we always made sure to bring his drink in and put it in the right place so that he could get to it because he couldn't his wheelchair or we'd move his wheelchair for him or put on the game that he wanted and change the disc. And it was like, mm. we were caring for him in a different way, not in a washing and cleaning medication way, but in the a... The way that you could do it. Yeah, the way that we could and the way that, like, he wanted, he wanted to play games. Like, he got to, to wanted to watch the rest of the wrestling and wanted to, um, you know, see the latest Kung Fu movies and stuff like that. And we wanted to join in. So it felt like we were doing it for us. But mm. I think it naturally, you know, we were doing doing it for him and uh he's he was my biggest inspiration and always has been and something that i'd like like he's someone i carry with me still in my life and everything i do now and um yeah i got a tattoo for him on my arm amazing with a feather to remind me of him and um yeah extra man this character that you've created mm. with a friend of yours yeah um a comic book and you've made this comic universe you guys have illustrated it amazingly mm. It looks great, and there's so much potential for it, in my opinion, the, yeah. like, the work that you put into it. Um, but he's the character's in a, in a wheelchair. In a wheelchair, yeah. Is that any link? Well, this is what's crazy. Obviously, we can dive into a bit more, but Jermaine created the character. So Jermaine came up with Extra Man. He came up with him being in a wheelchair and how his abilities. He came up with the design and quite a lot of like other character development parts, story-esque, like his little bit of his background and stuff. And he brought it to me and was like, oh, this is this character I've created. Um, I've created. And um, it was weird because that's what I thought of straight away. And that's what connected me to the character. He's a black superhero who's gone through a very traumatic experience in his life that's very like racial, racially led. 
which is something Jermaine is very passionate about. But now he's dealing with this other side where he's now has a disability and he's trying to deal with, you know, what it means now to to live disabled in a wheelchair. And that's something I thought I connected with. So mm. as the two of us, it felt like I could step into the project and not feel like, oh, I'm just going to write for your character that you've created. And I don't really have a, you know, I don't resonate with it at all and I don't connect. But straight away, him being in a wheelchair and and all the things you understand the struggles as well yeah i understand it and also how you know juggling being powerful in one minute as a superior and then feeling powerless in another because now you've had that taken from you and um spoiler alert um there is a character in the comic that is based on eddie called edwin and um his story and raymond's story intertwine wow and um yeah it's been very nice to be able to pay tribute and create someone in a in a cool comic universe that is you know uh someone that i obviously love and is close to me but also for raymond is this kind of like shining light of like someone that's that is disabled and and is going through something similar but has this like how he was in my life is like a ray of sunshine Mm. and shows him that like even though he's disabled he lives life very like the best thing is that always wants to do this and it's got this energy it's and not using it yeah. to his disadvantage he's yeah, just yeah. living life and so that's been fun and uh, yeah I can't wait for everyone to read it <laughs> amazing yeah, neither can I yeah well, well, I need to read it first but yeah, I've yeah, seen yeah. it I've seen yeah Jermaine's all the illustrations work you guys have put through it the process of you guys making it I think that's so amazing with anything creative or anything that you can make bring to life you can draw different aspects and characters from the people in your own life and yeah bring them to life and yeah show yeah. the world them and they might not know who it is, but if they resonate or like the character, it's like based on... Yeah, it just felt like stars aligning. Like when Jermaine said, oh yeah, I've got his character. And automatically he looked sick. His name was cool. He had like his wife's journey and her thing was... Like everything just seemed so good. And then he was like, yeah, he's in a wheelchair. And I was like... Nah. <laughs> like, okay. And he's just telling me more. And you know, I was just like, nah, like I have to be involved in this. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's it been a blessing. It sounds like it's meant to be. Yeah, it's definitely I meant to be. Wait. And we've, we've loved it. More of it. Yeah, you're doing your screening Kicks. for it soon and all that sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, Kickstarter's starting soon um, in June. And then we go from the Kickstarter straight into launch and launch party end of July. So Amazing. yeah, it's, it's all coming to life now, which is Amazing. exciting. I want to know, how did you get into dancing? Very randomly, if I'm honest. <laughs> I, used to go to, I used to go to a friend of mine's uh, house after school. You know, like when my mom wasn't home from work, so I'd stay with a friend from school around the corner from me. And she went to a dance school and she was doing her end of year dance show and said, oh, you guys want to come and watch? And I was thinking, oh my God, I'm being dragged along to this show. And I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was so good. How old are you? Um, 11. Right. Yeah. And um, there was like a senior dancer in it who'd done like a dance to like Mario, just a friend. And it was just the coolest thing ever. And I was straight after, I was like, can I start dance classes? From then, it was just like nonstop. And it was weird because I had danced before that, but like, in my school talent show as a joke and I'd done like Michael Jackson tribute and like I remember I, I wore a Man United goalie glove <laughs> and I cut a cardboard cutout and, and sellotaped it and covered it in glitter and that was my like my Michael Jackson glove you made it yourself um, yeah we made it in school as that like, part of like arts and crafts kind of thing and then I wore that as my like have you still got the dance. video of it no, no oh, we're too old for the, vi- to have the video to this <laughs> oh mate I would love to um, so yeah I did that and then we did um this is so random. I don't know why I'm telling you stories. Like, um, we did, this is one of my first things that I remember is my school did like Big Brother. I think it was Big Brother, but all the characters in it on stage were random fairy tale characters. 
and I played Goldilocks. <laughs> <laughs> Swear on my life, wig, wig, heels, tights, dress, everything. Did you and enjoy the, it? Yeah, I loved it. And the best thing about it is I got pictures and we just looked so happy. Like it was such a laugh. Yeah. No one cared. And yeah. I I didn't ever think, oh my God, I'm dressed up as Goldilocks. I was just like, yeah, I'll be good. Like it was, it. it was jokes. And like me and another character did like a dance routine in like, in the Big Brother talent show or something like that. And it was just jokes. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, I can resonate. So I started, I did dance when I was yeah. 10 years old, started modeling. I know you got music, bro. So <laughs> not as good as you, <laughs> not professional or anything. Um, but I was not dragged along, but I went to see one of my sister's plays. Mm. Um, she used to do, went to a theater school, which I ended up going to. And then um, watching them dance. And then I, the, the boys came out it was a boys class that mm. came out and did their dance and I was like that's amazing yeah so I resonate with that just like seeing something yeah, you like well, and just going for it kind of thing clicks yeah yeah that sets you off me and my cousins we used to um, like it was my sister's birthday like 7th 8th mm. ninth birthday we were just a year above or um, two years above we would go into my sister's room put on her clothes go to my mum's <laughs> get my mum's bra and stuff me and my cousins we'd go downstairs and we'd do a like, performance <laughs> yeah, us yeah. Room, just but loving life enjoying sure, it just There's thinking no... it's the funniest thing ever yeah, yeah. of course it's like that's, yeah, that's I love fun. that energy man I went to an after school club which was a big part of like my growing up and met loads of like my first friends there and a lot of like the people that went to my dance school went to this after school club and we had a, a carer there called Brian. He used to pick us up from school. Um, we used to walk back and um, they used to teach us dances. So like when Men, Men in Black came out, they got mm. all the boys together and taught us the Men in Black dance. And um, yeah, it was just the, literally the, the like, coolest thing ever. But all the boys did it. Like even the, you know, the ones that just played football. It's like everyone got involved and did it. And he, Brian had this like amazing energy. And um, yeah, I just remember how he kind of like got us all into it. And uh, he jumped into my brain because he actually passed away um, when we were there. And it was it was sad because he passed away on his birthday in a car crash. Oh my God. And um, my mum had gone out to his birthday party as well, so I'd seen him. And it was on his way home from the birthday party. And we got picked up from school the next day and everyone said, oh, where's Brian? And obviously we got taken taken back to the, the after-school club and sat us in a room and then obviously had to tell us that he'd passed away. And like, it you know, ripped us all apart as kids, you know what I mean? Because he was all of our favourites. And it's like the best thing. And I think mm. that was the first, like, you know, loss of like everyone, mm. you know, everyone in the room. And, impacted. Yeah, impacted. And because it was like linked to dance as well and linked to like my mm. first memories of doing something. And that wasn't like me doing dance. It was just one day was football. The next day we did the Men in Black routine. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't like I'm starting mm. to dance now. And it was, it felt like a very, um, what's the word? Like, just an authentic and genuine way of like getting into it and like doing something with your friends. But like you said, you guys were just creating something and just doing it for the fun of it, mm. not realizing you're doing it because you absolutely love it mm. and it's in you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And it leading to my life and my career now. Do you know what I mean? Like I know he would think it's the best thing ever, like seeing me dance. Uh, how old were you at the time? Literally like 12 or something. 12. Yeah, I was so, not even 12. Yeah, it must have been like 11. Yeah, it would have been before. No, before that, probably 10. Mm. I can't even think I was young because it was pre, it was, I was leaving primary school, yeah, because it was, they picked me up from primary school before that. So it was before, yeah, secondary school age. Mm. So yeah, it was a lot for all of us. But um, 
you know, a lot of those people still dance now and went on to my dance school and stuff like that. Oh, and, wow. You know, I, I know that, that our really first time was us them. together. And a few of the guys don't and they're like football players and like mm. it's completely different, not into that, you know, performance arts life. But I, we still remember that we used to do the men in black dance together and, yeah, yeah. do you know what I mean, learn all their moves Always and stuff. Always got that memory and that, yeah, mm. that, that bond through that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I always remember that. How did you meet Ash and how did Twist and Pulse form? So... We we always always knew of each other. Street dance scenes very small, very kind of like you go to the same competitions, you do the same things every year, and different crews you know compete. But my crew, Perido, I was in. We used to win like the adult category at shows, and he would win the varsity, which is like the teen category. So we both win the same competition, but in different categories, and just be like, oh, hi, you know what I mean? Just kind of know each other, and we were also both in. I think yeah, all black groups. So the rest of the members of my group were black. So I was the only white guy and he was the only white guy. So we had this natural kind of like, hey, <laughs> yeah. that's the other white guy. Like the inverse of what normally <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, exactly that. And it was funny because everyone knew that because he was known as the white guy from Mystical and I was the white guy from Peridot. And it was just the normal thing. So you would kind of nod at a show just being like, that's the guy. And then I started Brit school and a year later, Ash joined and we naturally just knew each other, hit it mm. off, started talking. And um, because Brit school was ballet, tap, contemporary jazz, musical theater, um, so we used to spend lunch times making our street routines. And um, obviously once we started playing songs to each other, everything just kind of kicked off and we were just, yeah, best mates pretty much mm. instantly from that. And um, our first actual dance was part of a contemporary routine. It wasn't even like the street dance routine. And I still remember now because the teacher, Julia, definitely regretted it <laughs> at the time until she saw that we did something cool, but said, oh, can you guys make up a little bit? And we obviously ran with it. Came up with like a full isolation, like pop-in section. Went home. In a contemporary edi dance. Edited the music. All that. Not thinking that when we came back, we were doing it in our black vest, shorts and bare feet on stage. But we performed at the show and everyone went crazy. Yeah. And it was only like four eighths of choreography or something like that. And we actually went on to use that bit in our BGC dance. Like we just wow. remixed it into the next, um, the next routine we did. But that was our first time actually performing as like us two doing a little section mm. and that kind of just yeah kinda, that kind of progressed from there yeah progressed so because twist and pulse like i remember seeing you guys mm. and you guys were the coolest things <laughs> the coolest boys lankiest things the, like, honestly <laughs> like ash talking about being q yeah and you just looking like a young jt with your hat backwards like your red cap i just remember it literally clear, clear as day so how did that so obviously from that routine, you chopped and changed mm. um, music and stuff. And is that how that kind of style started? Yeah. Yeah. It was all very, again, everything that I think is meant to be happens in a like natural and authentic way. We never said we were going to make a dance duo and come up with the thing. They said, do you want to make a routine for the end of your show? We said, yeah, why not? Mm. Put a few things together. And it just happened to be what we did. Right. We didn't realize we were trying to be funny or whatever. All the things like Cheeky Girls was very much like, I lean this way and then, oh, and we were just, oh, it was just that. <laughs> and then we just put a funny song to it. Yeah, Same yeah. with EastEnders. We always say like, dancers always go, boom, cat, cat, boom, cat. Like, rhythm wise, it's always like movement. Mm. And one day we were just going, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it sounds like EastEnders. Oh, we should use EastEnders. I'm thinking we're just being silly. Yeah. Not realizing it, it was yeah. slightly genius in the end. Very um, genius. And I think that's why it works because then everyone was like, oh, we love this street dance comedy thing. We were like, okay. It's, 
street and comedy. And comedy, yeah, it just kind of worked and just happened. And we'd both, the crews that we were in before, we both mixed the music for them crews. So then we came together and we could both do the same thing. So now we had like double ability mixed mm. in as well as these two different, very like, very different choreographic styles, but still loved the same type of thing. So it just merged and became something out of nothing. So was your name Pulse? Did you have that yeah. as a tag beforehand? Again, he was, yeah. He was Twist beforehand. Yeah, we could have been like Twist and... Something else. E extreme or something. It goes really so well together. Twist and Explode. Like it could have been really... <laughs> or, like, or Twist and Paul. It could have just been someone's random guy yeah, yeah. and he didn't have a cool name. Twist yeah. and Ton and it just would have been two so, random things. It like, goes so well. So yeah, it just happened. And people think we sat down and wrote like, oh, Thunder and Lightning and like, you know, two different things. Mm. What could we be called? And no, it just happened. And it was only when we went on stage for the first like out of college show and the guy was like, oh, you guys are up next. What's your names? Twist, Pulse. Our next up is Twist and Pulse. I see. And it just sounded yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, So then we come up with the logo and all that stuff. Same with the red and blue. We used to wear opposite colors. So pink and yellow. You can go on our YouTube channel, our first video, we're in pink and yellow. So we just used to wear opposite colors. We just happened to wear red and blue on that day. On the day. And then they were like, oh, we love how you come with the Britain's Got Talent colors, the red, white, and blue. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So smart. We really thought about this. No yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. Not a clue, but mate. That just that's again stars aligning. Yeah, things are meant to be. That exactly type of thing. that. Exactly that. So yeah. how did um, BGT come about? We'd both done it previously, separately. Which yeah, which not a lot of people know. So I'd done it by myself one year, didn't get through. Done it by my done it with a crew the next year. Got through to the first stage. Got three yeses but then was just one of those flashing clips in between like the adverts. Mm. And then third time I wanted, to, my crew wanted to do it again and I didn't want to do it. So I was like, oh, okay. And then me and Ash was told after our show, oh, you guys would be great on Britain's Got Talent. So we thought, why not kind of thing, filled out the form on like when we were rehearsing at my house one day and then forgot about it. About two months later, we get the letter through the door, oh, your audition date. <laughs> Panicking, trying to get a costume sorted, trainers, all of that. And yeah, then yeah. that was when it just, kind of happened so we never again never really went oh we're gonna do this bgt is gonna be mm. gonna make us and gonna set us up it was just on a whim and then we done well and then on the whim like it was so yeah, random but why it was along. so special because i don't think if we'd planned it and done it it wouldn't have ever been the same i think when you have expect big expectations on certain things and you plan or envisage certain things mm. and they don't go quite right it's, it's a yeah it's, it's good when things happen authentically yeah as you you know with no expectations as you're going along so yeah tell me about your feelings after that first audition it, it aired on tv mm. you guys seen yourself on tv for the first time yeah what was that like it was wild honestly it was like we joke about it now because tv doesn't have the same power it used to mm. but we had screaming people chasing the cars we, we had to learn how to drive straight away after doing a crash course because we couldn't get on public transport. We couldn't go shopping. They would shut down the shopping center. It was like, not being too dramatic, Michael Jackson like vibes. Some places were like that. Like, <laughs> so to put it into perspective, what year was this in 2010. again? 2010. 2010. So social media wasn't a thing. No. It wasn't like, you We know, had Facebook, I so, think, just about. So everybody's watching TV. Watching TV Saturday and night, then coming to stand outside ITV. wherever you are. Yeah. Because I, I remember back in those days, we used to watch like Pop Idol and then mm. go to the, and they were like the biggest things and Bitch Got Talent was like, yeah. 
It was in Massive. every paper and it was in all the little magazines and it was crazy. And we obviously went straight on the BGC tour, which was an arena tour. So it wasn't like just theaters. We were doing like O2 Arena. Like mm. it was huge and it was packed, sold out. So we were going on like the coach and then people were chasing the coach. And this is just the start. Do you know what I mean? We're going to do then, you know, gigs and stuff after and having three hour meet and greets afterwards. And like, we had no idea. We were just kind of given a calendar. I was like, off you go, these are your gigs. Get on with it. And we just was like, yeah, lo loving life, trying to figure it out as we go. And it was very like thrown into the deep end. Like thinking back now, it's it's quite scary that we were like, you know, 18, 19 year olds and what we were doing and the amount of people that were around us and doing stuff. Luckily, we had some good people that did help us, but we also came across some people that, you know, tried to do us over and messed up things and yeah, just we didn't understand the industry, didn't understand how certain things worked and we were learning as we went. And I think the only reason we're still here now is that we made a point of learning and understanding the business, understanding what branding means and more than just being two dancers getting booked for a gig because we realized quite quickly that BGT is on again next year. Yeah. And whatever got to dance and all these other shows are popping up. So why, why are they going to book you? So once we figured out we need to fill in that blank why with whatever that is, whether it when social media comes about, being straight on there and being, you know, top of the game with it, whatever it may be, just being the, the nicest, we could kindest people we could be when we were at venues so that people wanted to have us back, creating relationships with people that, you know, were real. So we weren't just like, hi, we're here for the gig kind of thing. You know, mm. met all the people we went to and we got to know them and made relationships that they wanted us to come back and work for them because we wanted to see each other again. It was yeah, in yeah. a good way, do you know what I mean? We wanted mm -hmm. to work with good people and we we was very like forward thinking in that sort of sense. But it took a while to get to that point. It was just whirlwind. It was top. 18, 19 year olds, you're like, you're barely adults. You're kids still, you know? Yeah, crazy. It comes with a lot of madness and whirlwind of just like figuring out as you go mm. and falling flat on your face a lot of the time. With massive highs, there mm. comes lows and I'm sure, and I know you've been yeah. through some after that period. If there's anything that you'd like to share. A lot of it was financial at the time. And financial in that, for, for instance, we were earning good money, which was great. More money than I'd ever seen. Great. Didn't understand tax. Mm. And I remember one of our first tax bills, I thought I was going to have to file for bankruptcy. It was that bad. And I cried in my bed. And I remember thinking, what am I going to do? Because I don't have this money. Mm. Because I didn't, I didn't understand it, and mm. I'd moved out pretty much straight away, got my own place, and you know, was living life and not realizing all these back end things I needed to be doing to, and where our money was going. Do you know what I mean? We were paying for things that we didn't even know we were needed to pay for, and there was just all sorts of like loose ends, and it's like being on a ship and just having loads of little bullet holes. But the water's seeping out, but you just don't realize until mm. you go down to the bottom floor and, and it's full of water. water and you're like, yeah. what the hell? Mm. Now we're sinking. It felt, felt very much like that. I think we just had a lot of little holes for a very long time. Mm. And then... Makes yeah. a big difference over time, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So finances were a big one. And that was the first time I think I got very, very scared of like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I didn't have the... I don't have a family that have money like that to help me. Do you know what I mean? The money I was getting, they had never seen. And 
they I'm sure they would have done everything in their power to help me, but I also knew there was nothing they, that anyone would have been able to do. Um, and luckily, yeah, we made we got through that, which is you know amazing. But um, some years, I think the other only other thing was just being in a. We've always been in this weird place of like we've been on telly, which is huge and amazing, but we're not big enough to be the Ant and Dex, but we're too big to be regular everyday people so it's like do we go on celebrity version of a show or the normal version of the show well we're not big enough to get on the celebrity version but we're too somebody to just go on normal big brother so you can't go on but we can't go on celebrity big brother mm. so there's this weird gap of like no one's mm. booking us for the things we want to be doing because they want they don't think we're big enough but then they won't put us on the normal thing either. So yeah. we had this, we were in this weird limbo for a lot of jobs and a lot of like random moments where we're having meetings with people and they can see it and they understand, but no one really knew where to place us. Mm. And we always found that really odd because we we didn't know how to figure that out either. Like how do we, we've got all these ideas and like such big kind of ambition, but no one knows how, if that door, they won't open the door for you. And there's a lot of gatekeepers in the industry. Mm. What do you do with it? Because you can't go back to doing the other things. So you're just like trying to figure out what is the middle ground? What does that mean? How did you navigate through that? We created, like we just made stuff ourselves. When social media become a thing, that's why we started creating videos. We mm. started making up, you know, bigger ideas, started creating more more content, more show stuff, better themes, you know, using the, the the videos to highlight stuff so we could send off show reels and just learning the business side, emailing everyone until mm. someone answers, emailing yeah. every single person until the right person is on the end of the email. And sometimes, you know, we send the same email 30 times and then get a response like, oh, it's the best thing ever even though I know you have emailed you for the last three years. Mm. But once they answer, they answer. And that, you know, it's having that grit and that like, yeah. that energy to keep going and, and like you, keep thinking like, no, no, we deserve, we do deserve this. And someone will... Keep knocking at doors. Yeah. That's, that's the key. Keep knocking. And, um, 100%. you know, people, people used to think, I think this was probably the hardest thing for me. People used to think we were so busy and so like, traveling the world being superstars and we spent a lot of time in our houses on sitting on emails trying to figure out what was next and i'd see my mates at the cinema and think why did no one ask me to go to the cinema but then when i next speak to them it was ah oh, i didn't know you i thought you was out doing your gigs and i saw you on telly the other like, no mate i've been sitting at home not yeah. really doing anything and it was this weird thing where everyone thought we were like superstars and now we we had no free time to do anything that was normal but we were just sitting together trying to figure out how to get more work constantly. Do you know what I mean? So we were detached from all our friends because they saw us as like, mm. you know, this these traveling like... It's almost like aliens now. That yeah, celebrity dancers. Oh, planet. you guys, how's the Twist and Pulse thing going? Yeah, it's going amazing. But I also want to go and see the new Spider-Man film. Or mm. <laughs> do you know, like, I want to do very things that all my mates lost, are doing anyway. You lose a lot of friends during that time. Yeah, a lot of friends. And... Not, not. I lost a lot of friends, but I also lost friends in a way that's like they didn't. I they're not not my friends anymore. But we just had no. There was no communication. No one spoke. And I've had conversations with people recently in and more recent years where we've reconnected and realised that you know I had this conversation. And they said they had no idea. 
Mm. And it's like, that's weird for me because I was so, I was so, what's the word? Like addicted to working. Like it was probably quite unhealthy. Mm. Like I was so, like I'd be on my laptop till three in the morning, four in the morning. And, you know, my girlfriend at the time would be in bed and I wouldn't go to bed because I'd be sat there like writing something or doing something or trying to come up with the next idea. And it was like, it was such a good thing, but at the same time, it was unhealthy because I wasn't even realizing that I wasn't reaching out either. Do you know mm. what I mean? But Did you I, expect to, because you expected people to reach out to you or you were just too occupied? With I didn't notice until I noticed, if that makes sense. Like I was too preoccupied doing my thing. But then when I took a second and I saw someone's story or whatever, mm. they're doing it. I'm like, why didn't you ask me? Yeah. Now I'm upset about it. But I didn't realize I didn't even yeah. ask either. So it was a, it was a, like, it was just a communication thing. I can relate to that big time. Yeah. Not from the, the fame side of it, but mm. from you, but from most, especially when I had Aurora, I had my daughter. Yeah. And seeing friends' stories going out together and stuff. And it's like, why aren't I invited? And it's mm. like, oh, well, you were busy with your daughter, your family, and all this sort of stuff. Or just let me say no then. Yeah. Let exactly, me say I can't exactly. come. That's all I wanted from you. To, just, yeah. Just let me say no. And it's like, I saw, like, I had a few friends that, like, got married. And I was like, wow. We detached so much that I wasn't even invited to the wedding. Mm. And, you know, when someone's such a kind of, like, significant part of your life and your journey, like, this, I've got friends that, don't get me wrong, like, if I don't speak to you for five years and saw them tomorrow, it would be like I've seen them every single day. Because we've had certain moments in our life that have connected us Cemented forever. It. Yeah, and it will just never be... But there was people that I thought were those people until I saw like the wedding. I'm like, wow, where yeah. we don't see each other the same, and that that can hurt, man. Like especially when you like see someone in such a like high position in your in your mind, and really, then you realize that they don't see the same as you. Big time. Yeah. Is that I think is is that something we all go through? Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's and hard. I, it's painful. It's like it's like seeing a partner cheating on you. Mm. That same type of gut feeling yeah, of it's like a, it's ooh. an ache it's an ache yeah, it's like a, with a you feel a heart strings kind of yeah in. and do you ever think to yourself oh is, there could be a reason that I'm maybe not thinking or is it because they don't see me that way or is it because they think that you don't see them in that way it's the same questions I have all the time I don't know you don't know I until don't you know. speak to them so yeah. it's, it's a, it's a but it is sad because you know some people I wish were still in my life but I understand People come in your life for the right reason sometime and they're only there for short periods of time. And Do you ever sit down and reach out to somebody that... I have done, but I also have a little... It's quite a bad trait, but like I don't like... I don't like catching up with someone if we're just going to let it go. Like I've had friends reach out to me and I think they want to meet up and go for lunch. And I think, sounds amazing, but I also know as soon as we've had that lunch and I go home, I'm not going to speak to you again for two years. Mm. And it, so it's like, it doesn't feel like it's wasting my time, but it feels like, it doesn't feel authentic. It feels like it's a reminiscing moment that like we were remembering the friendship we had. So now we feel like we should go and chat about it. Mm. But they're not necessarily going to come back into my life. And it's, it's like a feeling I, I got that I have and they like, like really want it. And I'm like, I just don't need it. Really? Yeah, I feel like it's a lot of energy to go and tell someone everything that's been happening in your life and then to then it. walk away from it. Yeah. Like I don't know if I need the emotional out like outlet of that or to dig into those things or You'd to repeat s- things to people that not necessarily gonna benefit from knowing it in my future. 
it's a weird thing I've gone f- gone through for a while, and you know I've avoided some meetups with people because of it. Mm. And um, yeah, I don't say it because I don't really understand it to say mm. it. If that makes sense, I don't really know how to portray it to it. them. Yeah, it's yes. that without sounding really mean. Like I don't want to waste my time because that no, sounds awful. I think it's in a sense protecting your energy. Yeah, and I think as I, I, you want you want that. You want it to be reciprocal. You, like you want it to. You want to whatever you're giving out. You want it to come back to you in some way. Yeah. Not to give, but to to receive. But what's the point of depleting yourself and yeah. then leaving, and then that person's taking that energy and that those you yeah. know what you've had to share, and that's it. Sometimes I can just read that it is just a oh, don't you remember this moment? Mm. And that's all it is, and that leads to the natural. Oh, we should meet up and catch up. That leads to that thing, and sometimes yeah. I'm I know in my gut that it's just a. Mm. we've seen an old picture on Facebook pop up and that mm. moment was amazing but it was a time in my life that's no longer where I am now and who I am now and mm. you know I don't feel a void that needs to be filled by that person because potentially I have new people in my life and my life feels you know it's in a different place and sometimes it maybe feels like it's going to open up something that I didn't need to open up do you know what I mean from from back in the day that I haven't needed to touch the whole time so mm. why why do it now for the sake of you got to do what, at the end of the day what feels right to you and if yeah, it's, yeah. it's not some may see it as oh Glenn's changed you know that's that's the yeah. thing that will come out but, but sometimes we have changed yeah no of course that's what's crazy sometimes 100%. yeah I, I have changed and mm. I, I mean I don't ever feel it, it never comes from a bad place yeah do you know what I mean you can, you can still love them from afar yeah and, and I love the memories the I cherish everything together. we had yeah 100% like I said, there are people that I do wish I could have those meet up with and catch up with, but I also know that potentially we've we've ended up here for a reason. And mm. do you know what I mean? Like it has made space for the people I have now in my life. Maybe if that person was here, people that I have now wouldn't be there because That's so true. That role is kind of fulfilled. And sometimes you need to let people go to allow new people to come in. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Okay. Definitely, I think that's with everything. That's with relationships. I find keeping up relationships very exhausting, and I'm, I also am someone who, like, I make a point of it. Like I reach out a lot all the time, and I make sure that I'm in touch with my close people, even if I think they're being slightly rubbish at it. Yeah, I will make a point of always being the person to message. And that, I can vouch for that. <laughs> yeah. I'm very rubbish at it. <laughs> uh, and I'm very, very good at it. And I've been told I'm very good at it like wow. a lot because I'd, I just liked people to know that I'm thinking of them and I, but I will always make that a thing. But most, people, most people don't have that. Mm. And I've, I feel like I'm definitely someone who can get carried away with my own life and focus solely on what I'm trying to achieve mm-hmm. work-wise, career-wise, you know, family, all that sort of stuff, and then can forget to reach out to people, to yeah. reach out to friends. I don't know if that's a man thing. I'd, I'd put it down as a me thing. Mm. But um, it's so important to to keep relationships. And then you, then I wonder why I'm not being invited to certain things. And it's like, well, I've had to... I went for a period of... Let's take it back to the beginning. I've had a period of resenting people, friends, for going out without me or doing things without me or not being invited to birthdays. And, and then, you know, oh, this person's not, you know, inviting me. I'm, you know, and then putting pointing the blame at them. It's their mm-hmm. fault. It's this and that. And then I don't know what changed it, but then I, I had an introspection of 
who have I been in their life? Mm. What have I done? Yeah. You know, have I been a good friend to them? Have I reached out to them? Have I been there during their dark times? And a lot of times I can say, no, I haven't. So who yeah. am I to say yeah. for them, you know? Um, yeah, that's tough. And but I it's think... not because of any malice and it's not because of, no, I don't want no, to no. speak to this person or something, but it's a case of just getting carried away. Time it's... disappears, man. Yeah. And it's scary how long you can go without speaking to someone. But it's, it, like I said, I do that, but I also it then leads into that worry of like, sometimes I feel like maybe that I'm not the same to them that they are to me. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. I call quite a few people a bestie or a best friend, but I kind of mean it. Like that's how they feel to me. Do you know what I mean? I, mm. I, they're in that space in my life. Like I don't have brothers and sisters and I have a great family, but I'm not in contact with them on a regular basis. So my friends are my family. Mm. Like you'll know from my birthdays, my birthdays are the same mm. unit of guys and girls at all times. And it might be a new person slide into that group now and again, if they're mm. available, or, you know, with the career that we're in, a lot of people are off out and around the world, but mm. those people become my unit. And to them, they might have four brothers and sisters and whatever. So their best friend is just that other person. They don't have seven best friends like I do. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Sometimes I think maybe I'm not in that best friend thing for them. Yeah, but I see what you mean. Sometimes you hard. feel that is that way, but it's not. It's mm. not that. It could be, yeah, it could be. Yeah, I reasons. don't know. But you just, at the end of the day, all you can do is trust your guts, your gut, and, and kind of let that lead. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know? And I think it's a, it's, it's, it is a constant struggle because I think I do have them like, when I'm feeling rubbish days and I'm like, do you know what? I'm not messaging him again for, you do that to yourself and yeah, you just yeah. become that. And I'm just like, that's not me. You just message yeah. them because I, I am worried or I'm I do like, want I to know what they're up to. Like yeah. And so I have I'm, had moments like that, but I'm so weak. I break <laughs> so quick. I'll text them next morning. Do you know what I mean? Or I won't get to the end of the night. Thing is, like, I'm not, I'm very flipping stubborn. Mm. I can, like, I didn't speak to my dad for six months, not long ago. Yeah. Because I felt like he wasn't making an effort with my daughter. Right. And it was like a, all right, fuck you, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I literally didn't speak to him for six months. The longest I've ever not spoken to someone. Mm. And, then I, and then I look and go, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. Imagine something happened mm -hmm. to him. And, you know, mm. not even that. It's just, what am I doing? Yeah. You're being stubborn. And you're only, the only person you're really hurting is me, yourself. Yeah. You know, you're, I'm putting myself through something. And, it, yeah, it's, it's good to clear the air. It's good to be honest about how you feel. And sometimes I find it hard to express that oh i just break very easily and stuff like that i'm just like i'm too sensitive about everything i'm just worried maybe because i go to yeah i'm so sensitive and then i get to the thing of if i haven't texted them then they'll think i don't care and i do care and i need to make sure oh. they know ah! <laughs> that's that, that goes to that, i think that's the that anxiety that said you're, you're talking about about yeah. caring for someone um i know you said you like that with your cousin yeah were you like that with any of your parents Try, trying to make sure that they felt okay um, maybe not indirectly indi but it's not something I've like explored or my dad is he's a hard man yeah but not at all like my dad says love you every phone call mm. my dad held my hand when I was a teenager like he doesn't have that like as much it's as he's to like punch me in the shoulder type have a fight on the couch kind of dad <laughs> he's also never been the doesn't say how he, like doesn't mm. say he loves me or whatever but he also doesn't cry, doesn't say how he feels, mm. doesn't express that emotion at all, mm. but always expresses love, always love you, proud of you, 
always been that person will be at every show never missed a dance show never missed a karate competition never do you know what I mean literally can't fault him in any of those aspects but he's also a closed book in mm. terms of how he feels and yeah. how you know how he is with that sort of stuff my mum's the opposite she just cries at everything because I'm her son and oh she's so proud <laughs> so she just <laughs> yeah. cries at everything and she's the opposite of it and my mum's a full time warrior now and like mm. you know she lives by herself and stuff and you know that's very different for her and I feel very much like I look after my mum which is a did very did you feel you were that role when your dad left did you look after your mum no I don't when... think I think it took a while it's only when I found myself as an adult and understood like that that I took on that and I think once I realised that she didn't find it as easy as I thought she did do you know what I mean because my mum never really showed that she right you felt that she was okay. Yeah, she time. had everything handled, which she did because, like I said, I never Felt wanted for anything. Yeah, but as I got older, I started realizing the cracks in in it, and I then took on the you know the thing. Those I was are trying some to help crazy her. moments in your life because during I think we we go through our life, we see our parents mm. at the beginning. They're superheroes; they're <laughs> yeah. like, they can't do any wrong. And then you get to an age where you start to become more conscious. And you start to understand certain things, and, and then you that go. They are broken. Damn, they this have is what my mum's like. Well, this and... is what my dad's like. Mm-hmm. Damn. And then, and then you get older, and you learn about human behavior and why you're a certain way. And you're like, damn, this is why yeah. she's like that. Yeah. So yeah, I get definitely get my sensitiveness from my mum. Yeah, hundred percent. And I get my grumpiness from my dad. It's you are quite straight faced, like some, you know. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just in my head, and it mm. comes across like sometimes like I'll get in the car for a gig with Ash, and just don't want to talk. Mm. And I'm not angry and I'm not like I don't I'm not being horrible I'm just not ready to talk and do you know what I mean it's That's just right. like a mood that I'm in or like I'm I'm focused on a prob- fixing a problem in my head and everything outside is just mm. annoyance because it's not fixing the thing that I'm trying to th- fix you know what I mean so if you're in that space it may feel like I have an, a certain energy mm. and I don't ever like to project but my clo- like I can obviously do that around my close people do you know what I mean so yeah, like it's because it used to become a running joke. So I've got like grumpy mugs and like different like ornaments of grumpy to, because you it's like become a, bit a like thing. Grumpy from um, oh thanks yeah. from Snow White. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, it's the kind of like a it's more of a morning thing. Morning grumpy, yeah, yeah. don't want to talk in the morning, which I get a lot of people have. It's not and you don't drink coffee as well, so you don't have that. I don't have the instant perk. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes it can I'm be. I'm grumpy until I have my coffee, and then, and then you're alive. I'm alright. But yeah, sensitivity is definitely my one. For sure, mm. a million percent. <laughs> I get that from my dad. My mum. Oh, really? Yeah, my mum is. She doesn't know how to show love. Mm. I've never really had my mum come up to me and give me a cuddle. And it's really? weird. Yeah, she's not. She's not like that. Okay. She, my mum's very old-fashioned Italian. Where her mum was quite a strong woman in that sense, where she would. Um, she shows. She shows her love through food. And catering okay. to people, and you know, okay, she'll yeah, serve. Yeah. So she'll make me dinner, and she'll she would have yeah. washed acts of service. That's the mm. way she shows her love. But that's not the way I like to you receive, receive love, love, or I receive love. I all I want, or all I've ever really wanted, is my mum to come up to me, and just give me a big cuddle. Yeah, and I've never had that. I tell a lie actually. The other day, I burst into tears. I was going through a bit of a tough time. And she came over to me and she just put her arm around me. And I, I burst out. I cried. I started 
I was crying about something and then I cried about that and yeah. it changed about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, that's all I've ever really wanted. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird because I'm like, I'm so, I'm a cuddly person. I've always mm. been like that with my partners, with my daughter. Um, I, I get that from my dad. <laughs> my dad showed me his vulnerability. Yeah, and yeah. That side to him and opening up and the importance yeah. of just being, yeah, showing emotion and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm. We had Mandy on the podcast last two weeks ago she said that women are mainly affected by the dads and girls sorry men are affected by their um moms. their mums yeah yeah it's interesting yeah yeah i think my dad's just very much instilled he's like the support system of like caring for everyone make sure everyone's all right like i never like i said i never he sat in the car and slept and read a book while i was there for three hour rehearsals if i couldn't drive or get there and like is that which is I'm very like that like take someone to the airport sit outside for two hours that was my mum you know I mean yeah. the opposite kind of thing you so. know they love you they show that that's their way of showing yeah. it and I'm, I'm assuming that's the way maybe he was parented by or that's how he was yeah. shown up by his parents mm. and it trickles down doesn't it oh, so Ken yeah. I want to talk about the project that you're working on at the moment yes <laughs> can't say it post it made yeah. it out alive you've made a song yeah which is <laughs> like I was shocked. I've heard you sing before, mm. but this, you've taken it to another level, in my Thank opinion. You. It's a great song. It's very catchy. It's very powerful. It's about mental health and it's about a struggle that you've been through. Mm. So firstly, I want to talk about that time, that mm. struggle that you went through and what happened and what you think maybe triggered it. Um, it's a lot, if I'm honest. It's, um, and it's very layered. I think that was hard because before that i obviously told you about the things like i was slightly struggling with but nothing ever broke me i guess i was always i've never got from my dad don't really have a fear factor i'm not really scared of anything i'm not scared of heights or any bugs or like someone like, we have a running joke is like i'm not scared of like scary films or like if you jumped out at me i don't have the flinch that natural flinch feeling i don't mm. have it mm. so it's like and it's not though, like I'm too cool to get scared. Like you won't ever find. Like I want to be scared. I want to watch a scary film and go, ah, it's scary. Like I want that feeling, but it just, yeah. I just don't have it naturally. Mm. And my dad's like that. He's not bothered by anything. Not nothing is fussed by him. If you want me to help, like I'm very risky when it comes to money and risky to come to jobs. Like if I think I can do something, I'll just do it, whether I have any idea or not. I would just do it, and that's mm. always what I was. And so all those things before pre 2019 even though they were scary and things happened, I was very just like, kick the door in, kick the wall down, straight into the next thing, I'll figure it out in the next thing, and I always did. Whereas when this stuff started happening, it was the first time I th it felt all like it was too much. Um, and it all started at the beginning of the year when I broke up with my girlfriend. And you were and 30, 30 years old at the time? 29. 29. 29, the first time in your life where you felt like all too much. Yeah, yeah, when I finally felt like, before that I was very, yeah, like I said, just took on everything and anything and I didn't understand anxiety. I lived with um, a housemate for a while who had anxiety and used to say things and I remember I always used to be the guy to be like, just go to work. Like, what do you mean you can't do that? Like, I used to find it so silly because I could overcome every thought mm. in my head. Like, even when something felt so bad, I used to just be like, I could Google it, <laughs> like I could learn the skill. Someone yeah, yeah. like, you know, I'm doing a project and didn't have the CGI person. Oh, I'll just learn CGI tomorrow. Like 
It didn't scare me like, oh my God, the thing's over. Mm. I would just try and find, call the person, ring up a mate, do whatever, figure it out. I remember in, to interject, 2017, when I created that, A Day in the Life of Anxiety. Yeah. I remember speaking to you about it and you were like, well, I didn't really understand it. It's not something I've been through. No. Um, like so I even at that point, you hadn't been no. through or understood that mental battle. No, nothing at all. I broke up with my girlfriend at the time. We'd been together about seven and a half years and it was just into buying our first place together. Mm. So we'd only been there like two months. And... As, as sad as that is the house thing, it was more the like the build up to getting the house was so special because it felt like such a big moment to buy our first house, to have achieved that thing. And for me, buying the house was also the first kind of flag in the sand of cool, like I'm building a life here, mm. going to get married, kids, my future that I've always wanted since I've been young, I've always wanted family, wife, kids, like that's what I want. So that was the first flag in the sand for that. So when we broke up, it obviously initiated one, a breakup and heartbreak, but it also initiated this house issue. Where do I live? Is this my home anymore? Does it feel like home? Because it didn't because of the arguments and the, the toxic environment that breaking up creates mm. made me feel like I wasn't, it didn't, I hadn't been there long enough to make it home. So all it felt like was that was the most prominent thing. Mm. It wasn't like oh, I'm leaving all these memories. That were those were the memories, the breakup, um, and that was awful. It was so tough, and um, I didn't really know how to to cope with it. I'd been with her for so long, and I'd also been in a relationship before that. So I spent my whole adult life in a relationship and having a partner. So not only did it create the like uh, I haven't, I'm not with her anymore. It was the I'm alone now. I don't have anyone mm. and I don't have anywhere to live. So what do I have apart from stuff? Like I didn't know what to, I didn't know what to do, honestly. And um, well, your home's broken down, your stability. You're yeah. Still, you're, like you said, you're my flag, you're flag in, the in the sand. You, you, it's like you're almost in thin air now. Yeah. And, um, it's, and everything that you'd created with this partner had been, been taken yeah. away so that's massive and it was a big shock because i don't i didn't fully understand why i didn't i didn't have a you know there wasn't a defining moment in the relationship that caused it to happen so it was it was like pulling the plug out and you're just being like gone so i was obviously struggling with that and um bgt had come around now so they'd asked us to come back on champions so i was now like trying to get into the swing of maybe going back and doing the biggest thing I've ever done and recommitting to this, you know, nationwide, worldwide, biggest talent show. But I had, I was sleeping on my friend's couch. And I also had a, like a weird, a weird feeling where I'd like, I couldn't really tell my friends about it because I, de I never liked telling my friends that I'd broken up with my girlfriend because it then was like, if you got back together, you'd spend the whole night bitching about it. And then you'd get back with them. <laughs> and it was like, oh, you know, your friends don't like that person anymore. Or mm. they've now gone on your side. Or you created a dynamic in so your you, friendship. You didn't tell them purposely because you felt that that could have happened. Yeah, because I thought I didn't know where it was going to go until I knew that it wasn't going to go. Do you know what I mean? It was mm. like, so I wasn't telling anyone. I was cracking on with rehearsals and stuff like that. I was working on a few other bits. And then I found out that my... My friend Jack had committed suicide and it was, yeah, it was awful, man. It was like, 
as as it is for most people, it was a shock. It was it came from nowhere, and like he wasn't my best friend, but he was someone that was special in my life. Do you know what I mean? Like he he had a significant role in like we basically used to play FIFA, which. We did loads of other stuff together. We danced together. We'd been on stage together. But we played FIFA. And I think what people don't get is like, when you spend four hours in an evening every night with a group of guys, you create a bond that's not like many other friendships because you do go, oh, I've got to go to bed because i got an interview tomorrow. And then you get on the next night, how was your interview? And you naturally have such a deeper connection with all these guys mm. than you have with your mates because you're speaking every single day. But at the same time, you're having a laugh, you're joking, you're actually creating like an energy that's surrounded by this fun like thing. Mm. And it becomes like a really special, like a special place. And um, yeah, when he, when he died, it sent the whole kind of dance community into kind of, you know, a big sad kind of depression. And um I didn't understand it. I didn't know how to deal with it. And I also didn't realize how how special he was to me as a person until he was gone. And I'd literally been with him um, the week before and he was um, doing an audition. We were auditioning for a film together. And it was really funny because there was loads of young new dancers there and we were laughing and like, look at these <laughs> young kids jumping around and we're like, we're the old ones. And, like, mm. and he wasn't even old, he was a young one as well. He's only 25. Right. So, but it was just a funny thing because we'd been dancing for so long. Mm. We felt like the OGs and we were proper laughing about it. And um, it was actually a week later. And, and um, still to this day, it's so like, yeah, it takes the breath out of me when I think about it because I, I, I don't understand. And he obviously was going through something so bad that, you know, he couldn't speak to anyone. And that was my like, that layered on top of dealing with that and then having to go to a rehearsal or to an interview and then go, so, how's it feel to be back? Do you feel good? And I'm thinking, no, I don't. Mm. <laughs> but I can't say that because that's not the answer you want. Mm. Um, and it just felt like I was being dragged further and further down to a hole. And that was when I felt like anxiety for the first time and I had a panic attack. So when I broke up, I was having panic attacks and I didn't understand what they were and I couldn't breathe. And um, it really like, um, what's it so like showed itself physically for me, like in terms of how I was breathing. I've probably been doing it on this. I don't even want to watch it back to even know, but like a certain way that I have to like take this like really deep, quick gasp because it feels like there's no air. And it was like, I, I'd be doing this. And then I was conscious I was doing that. So when I was around people, I was like, anxious that I was going to do the thing that makes me anxious, but it would make mm. me more anxious. Yeah, so yeah. Like, now I'm like layering the whole thing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like... It's a fear uh, of the fear. Of the, yeah, the fear of like the fear of the... Yeah. And it was like, I didn't know how to how to do that. I then went on to like, my my foot started twitching loads. I started doing a really weird like hand, hand fidgety things. All things I'm Googling and being like, oh, they're all part of this anxiety. And like, and like now again, I, again, I probably won't want to, I'll probably notice it if I watch this back, but there's certain things that I can physically do. And being like a dancer, it's like I'm so used to being in control of my body mm. and understanding how everything feels like. So when you can't control it, mm. it feels so alien. Mm. And um that just doubled down on being anxious, being worried to be around people for too long, worried to talk about things. Um, I'm then going to, you know, rehearsals and lying about where I was before because I was having an argument wherever I was. 
and um yeah it just it just went further and further into into the, into a hole i think and i i got to the point where i was there wasn't a day that i wasn't crying like you know exhausting myself like like physically migraines because i've been crying all day my face dehydrated like mm. and then trying to go to rehearsals and act like I'm having the best time because I'm doing this brand new show and like mm. I was working hard. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I was trying to be put all my creative energy into that, but I was drained. I was mm. completely drained. And um, do you get drained when you're trying to put on a mask and be something that you know show emotions that you're not actually feeling? Yeah, I was losing my hair, which was a big thing for me, which was making me really insecure. Obviously, I wore a hat for Twist and Pulse, so there was this big thing where I didn't have to ever show that. But in my normal life, I now felt like I'm coming to being a 30-year-old. Can't keep wearing my hat backwards and I'm going out to meals and press events and stuff like that. But I was waking up with my pillow covered in hair mm. and like like cancelling plans because I'd go to gel my hair and it'd be in my hands and I'd be like, I can't go. So mm. then I wouldn't go. And I was, I was stopping doing things. I, uh, I got psoriasis and it's like flaring up really bad. So I was getting these big plaques in my hair. So then I was trying to cover them up and hide. So all of this was just feeling like mm. way too much for me to, to, to kind of fathom. And um, then my granddad got ill. <laughs> and I just felt like you're having a laugh. Like, mm. how is this happening at this moment? And it was happening throughout Champions. So I was literally like tech rehearsal of Champions. We had to leave because he had sepsis and they basically said he's not going to last the night. And then I'd rush to the hospital and he would last the night. Mm. And it'd be like, I got that call about eight times. Brilliant. He wouldn't He wouldn't last. So I'd spend the whole evening crying because he's gone. Mm. For him to work, to wake up in the morning and still not, or to stay up all night waiting for the phone call and the phone call never come to find out, oh, he's doing a bit better today. And it was like, like amazing, but how are you doing this? Yeah, because yeah. I feel like I've lost you seven times. Mm. And then be in rehearsals and doing interviews. And so how does it feel to be here today? Are you excited? And it just felt like the fakest thing I've ever done in my life. And what's like, that's meant to be one of the pinnacles of your career, of your life. You're able to do this competition yeah. that you you know, being a runner-up in something, an opportunity for you to win it. And it's like, yeah, and, and these things are going on in the background, which nobody sees. Yeah. And I think what was mad was, I kn not I knew, but I'm going to say I knew, I knew we could win. And I knew we could win because I knew how hard we'd worked since 2010. And we we'd come from a competition background to compete for us felt like we felt like we'd been waiting to compete again the whole time. This is what we do. Like kept making the competition pieces exactly where we're at. We we wrote down every single dance move, every single joke we'd done in the last nine years and handpicked everything to be the best thing ever. We made our costumes ourselves. Costume comp the costume department called us two weeks before going, guys, love you to come in and do that. And we was like, we've had it, we've done it. Our costume's done. Mm. Done it ourselves. Like done the music, done everything. Like we just had so much like faith in our craft by then and how hard we'd worked that like when we knew we could, the possibility was there if we just delivered what we did. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I knew that and I felt that and I channeled that into the routines, but it was just about days when it was like way too much. And the only thing the only thing I did right was 
or the only two things I had is that I had an incredible best friend who took me into her house, mm. into our home, let me live with her. Literally. She was incredible, Lisa. Yeah, Lisa literally. See, that's why I can't talk about it. I was like, like she saved my life. And if she wasn't around at that time, like, I don't know what I, what I would have done. Mm. And that's why, like, it's funny because all my friends obviously know Lisa now because she's been around for a long time. And everyone knows that she's someone so special in my life, but no one understood why for such a long time. Mm. And I think everyone at first was like, who's this new best friend that's just like all of a sudden mm. appeared? And like, you just got another best mate and mm. like, where she come from sort of thing. But then now, obviously, now people understand that she just was the only person that at the time took it upon herself to like insert herself into my life and let me come and live with, like she literally said, just stay here. Like, I don't care, just stay here. There's a room for you, bring your stuff, do what you want. And that was like the best thing that ever could have like happened. This didn't happen to way after Champions. But, with her husband as well, by yeah, the way. Yeah, with her husband, Live, you know. And then they got a dog, which became my your dog. Best, it was like a therapy my dog. my best friend. But again, like, it felt like it all was meant to be at the time, do you know what I mean? And I like wouldn't have been able to. Savior. Absolute blessing. And like, so that and going to therapy. So I didn't believe in that sort of thing for a long time, but I just felt like I had no other choice. And like, I've been asked before, like if I've had suicidal thoughts and things like that. And it's like, I have, but not in the, not in that I was going to, but knowing that I had thought of it made me know that going to therapy was the right thing to do. Does that make mm. sense? It was like, I'm drifting into that space. Bang. I need to make a change. Like I know, I know that that's not okay. Mm. So therapy, I will, I will try it. And it was the best thing ever. And Amazing. I think it's because I I could just say exactly how I felt out loud and it didn't matter without being judged. And it took me a, a lot of sessions before I felt like that. But I also was creating anxiety because I felt scared to tell people I was going to therapy. Mm. So I was telling people I was going to physio and wow. I had a bad back because I always had a bad back. So everyone believed it because <laughs> it made sense. Because well. I was always moaning that my back hurt. Mm. Why didn't you want to tell people that you were going to therapy? <sighs> because no one knew the full extreme of everything. So no one knew anything really because everything was still a front and therapy would have been like, why are you going to therapy? Why did you feel like you couldn't tell people? Um, I don't know. I was scared. I was embarrassed, I think. And I was, yeah, I was scared and I was embarrassed. And mm. I also was, I've always tried to be a pillar for other people. And like, it was only when I realized that kind of, you can't pour from an empty cup kind of saying like I've got mm. another tattoo here which says um, start by saving yourself mm. and no, you, need you to. have to help yourself before you can give the right love to other people that analogy of being on a plane when the air vents or the, the oxygen comes down you save yourself first and then you save a child yeah. you have to save yourself in order to help yeah, it to was, be able to help other people it was exactly that feeling and um, you know once I got into the, the thing of therapy and started understanding like I can actually say everything and no one's mm. going to say nothing and it's not going to follow me home. How did that feel doing it? Amazing. I used to go in with like notes ready to like <laughs> spit out all my stuff and like, but like genuinely like things that I didn't even know I felt because I could just go, Delve this is rubbish it. and this is sh and I hate this and mm. like, but I love this and I feel like this about this and I, 
I hate that this happened to me and I hate that this happened to me and I hate that I'm here and I missed this. And it was just so kind of like validating. But also I had sessions where I couldn't speak, where I just sat there and I cried and I didn't know why I was sad. and I didn't know what was the reason for being there. I just knew that I wasn't, that I was lonely and I was by myself. And, you know, as much as, you know, I got, Lisa took me into her house and and I had had Joey and stuff like that. It It also... It was the best thing ever, but it also created new problems, you know, of like feeling like I'm in their way or, you know, feeling like um, I'm, I should, yeah, like I'm in the way or I shouldn't be there or. But like a burden. Like, yeah, a burden or like, you know, they're married and they, you know, it's their house and they, they had had the house for so long. They used to have housemates and their housemates had just basically moved out recently since they got married so that they could take the house and have it as their home. And then I've moved in. So it felt normal to them mm. because they'd always had housemates mm. in the house. So it's back to just what they've always had. Mm. But for me, I felt like I was now intruding into yeah. their new life. And obviously other people didn't know what I was going through. Thought it was weird that I was intruding into their life. Mm. Obviously we led into, I was only there for a few weeks and then we led into lockdown. So lockdown, I ended up living there for two years. <laughs> Which sounds crazy now, but I was, we were stuck there. It yeah. was, but it turned, it turned I think out. The, the, the dynamic works though, right? It turned into the into the biggest blessing ever. Yeah, because we had this kind of, I had the, I had Joey who was our savior. Joey's for, a dog, by the way. Joey's a dog. Joey was the savior who was for all of us. Literally and, your best friend. Yeah, and gave gave us all some purpose each day and gave us, you know, something to kind of look into. But then we also had this thing where I could have time by myself and they could have time. But I could have time with my best mate, Lise, and we could watch whatever silly program we wanted to watch, and Johnny could go watch the football in the other room. But then me and Johnny could play FIFA, and Lise could go watch Kim Kardashian mm. upstairs. And it was just like, it was nice because if it was just me, or if it's just me and someone else, you're either alone or in that person's presence. You couldn't swap out yeah, and yeah. still, you're either going to be by yourself or not. You, you didn't have a, a choice mm. kind of thing. And um, yeah, that became... And obviously they knew everything that was going on and guided, not guided me, but cushioned certain other things that were happening because my relationship was over, but I was still dealing with the aftermath of what that was. Mm. And the, you know, the the house, trying to like figure out where I'm going to live, money. And then having to figure out whether to sell the house, you know, her buy you out, that sort of thing Yeah, all well. that, yeah, all that process is financial worry. Mm. What's going to happen? And then again, champions happened and was a blessing in disguise. You because winning that we obviously had a financial prize as well which then allowed me to have some money to now actually think about moving out and getting my own place mm. otherwise before that I felt hopeless because I was like I don't even have the money we just about got a place together ourselves putting our money together so were you able to enjoy winning champions or did you feel like it was burdened by what was going on it was burdened it was very tough like Ash will always remember before we went on for the last show we did a prayer for my granddad and for Jack before we went on and we both choked up and um, like Ash does Ash cries a lot more now <laughs> his dad and stuff his emotions are way <laughs> boy and, uh, and we're more comfortable with each other so that happens but mm. like quite a lot of time before that we're never really around each other do you know what I mean but that moment felt like like we needed it do you know what I mean? And mm. that's why when you watch the dance, like you we went were, in. Yeah. And I, I can see it. it, man. And like Bro, the whole uh, I was in the audience. Yeah. And it was like electrifying. It was like you had to win. It I felt knew, like I that, knew, man. Knew, knew straight away you were gonna win. 
And I remember it, almost fighting with some people next to us because they were supporting <laughs> someone else. Yeah. And they were like, out, we were like, twist and pulse. I was with Anna at the time. We were like, twist and pulse. And they were like, no, this is like, and we're like. Yeah, yeah. And it's mad uh, because like, as I'm saying, as, 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 as kind of like hectic and crazy and scary and worrying that everything was, we was very confident and sure in what we were doing because mm. we just practiced so much, man. Mm. We just knew each other, what we were doing. We were just in our element. And it's like, mm. it felt like it was the only thing I had control of. Mm. I knew the routine. Like the music was sick. Costume fit good. You were in your zone. Yeah, I was totally there. Um, but yeah, afterwards, I think I couldn't, I couldn't enjoy it the way I wanted to. And like, obviously, like having the blessing of the house and living with friends and stuff was good, but it was still a lot for them to handle as well a lot for them to and i know that and I, that's why i get emotional about it because I, like i i know that it was a lot for them to take on in their lives and in their relationships mm. you know what i mean and i feel like they did it unconditionally though yeah I'll became family and like it's you know it's something that like i think we all cherish and i think lockdown changed it and made it needed for all of us in a way mm. It was only when, you know, I was still dealing with the, the houses and the money and the, the heartbreak and all of those things. And like, it was the physical stuff that I was dealing with, like the anxiety, the panic attacks and my hair loss. And I put on loads of weight. So you know, I need to put on like two and a half stones, what I normally was, which I was trying to get the motivation to get working out together. And like, we'd have days where we did, we all got up and did like a workout and followed whatever thing on Zoom and stuff like that. But it wasn't like in your routine. So yeah, you man, it, I just couldn't. It was just about getting up every day mm. for a longer time. It wasn't, it wasn't any more than that. You've done something about every single one of those things in your life now. Yeah. You've had your hair sorted. Yeah. You had a, an amazing body transformation. <laughs> I'm going to show some before and after pictures now. <laughs> action man over here. Thank you. But that was my point was that I had to build myself up one mm. thing at a time. And I think that was so important. Like start by saving yourself, but in every way. And insecurity was a big thing I played into it because once I realized that I was now single and I wasn't in a relationship, the new fear took over of, I'm going to have to meet someone else. I'm going to mm. have to take my clothes off in front of someone else potentially mm. at some time. Now I don't want to do that. I look old because I lost my head. Like there was, now there's mm. new anxiety yeah, that's yeah. feeding into this thing that I don't understand. And um, yeah, that's why I had to start with one thing at a time. And it was, you know, I did my hair. And then when I got to a better a standpoint, I then did the body and now I'm doing the mind. Amazing. That's, <laughs> that's such good advice for people that are dealing with so many different things that are going wrong in their life. It's take things step at a time. Yeah. Just pick one thing yeah. and, and, and not everything can be fixed, but work on it and find what, what makes that feel better, if it makes you feel happier in that area, whatever it may be. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because mine were physical things, but I find that very a big part of insecurity being someone who's on social media, someone that's job is like, has been on TV and stuff and then being newly single. It was like, mm. worries. You, you yeah, be, worries. You Eyes are on me. And I just felt, yeah, awful about it. And the only thing I could do was to implement change in those places. So I did one thing at a time. And, so if um, you look at it as the big picture, you think it's like, oh, so much I've got to do. Mm. Then you end up not make, taking any steps. Yeah. Whereas if you take everything day by day, step by step, <laughs> list out your problems right we're going to work on this thing first yeah yeah right, done tick then the yeah. next thing and next thing and um that's when you make progression it's many little steps yeah and not 
just one jump and you know and, and all those sorts of things yeah so tell me about this campaign why you make why have you started this campaign can't say it post it why are you doing it <laughs> tell me well it kind of weirdly that way i just said the whole like you know body and now i'm working on my mind kind of thing and um the, the best thing about it is i didn't plan this i didn't ever sit down and go oh i want to do something for mental health week i i wrote a song when i was in a dark place and I've always written songs and I just had it for myself. It was on my phone and it was just very much a journal entry kind of thing. And, you know, I used to listen to it in the car a lot. And then one Christmas, I think it was even 2021, I bought myself a studio session. I've got a studio in my house and stuff, but I paid for like a professional studio session with a guy I know called Sean um, Hypertone and paid to basically go in and record professionally. And I recorded that, that song. I recorded like three quarters of it. And just put it on my phone. I had it again. And I sat with it again for probably another six months or so. And Twitch, the dancer who's on Ellen DeGeneres, he's a DJ on that, mm. took his own life. And it sh shook the dance industry again in the same way Jack did. But obviously, he was more like um, high profile in the news and the media, that sort of thing. And um, I remember going on Instagram and starting to write a post being like, guys, we need to start speaking. Like, can't have these sort of things happening. And as I was doing it, I just felt like a hypocrite. I was just thinking, how can I, how can I tell other people to speak when I've never said how I feel? And I have how I feel. And like, I've written it, I've said it. I'm not very good at speaking. I'm trying to be better right now, but I did say how I felt. I just haven't shown anyone. So, that was when I kind of made the decision, I'm gonna put it out and I'm gonna be vulnerable. It was only when I started then getting into like the business brain and stuff of myself of like, how can I make this really purposeful? Mm. Because the authenticity is already there. The song is real. The song is exactly how I feel. I haven't tweaked it. I haven't written it for Mental Health Week. I, ha I already felt like that. But I also understand that in order to make it you know, seen and get eyes on it so that it can do the work that I want it to do, I got to put the brains behind 100%. this thing, which is... You're naturally like that anyway when it comes to any project that you you do, whether it's Thank your you. short films, you yeah. know, your your music, your dancing. It's, yeah, we yeah. Have to, as creatives, we want to get our stuff out there. Yeah, so well, I thought to myself, if I'm going to do something that's this scary, <laughs> i got to do it properly, properly at least. Yeah. So like, yeah. you know, the, the intention was never to be a singer or an artist. You know, that's that wasn't the point. That just happened to be the meet the art form that i chose to express mm. this potential thing and obviously people were shocked were because singing. i i didn't sing before and it was like all of a sudden what the hell are you sing and i'm like yeah, yeah i kind of always have i just dude it sounds like ed sheeran like <laughs> i'll take that it's like every an ed day. sheeran mix of like justin timberlake i love the song so, i will take honestly it's so catchy i will take all but of that is in the video and you showed twitch in the video at, at yeah. some point it's, yeah. it's a lovely video it's very powerful I was expecting you to break into dance, but you decided not to do dance. It was solely the story that you're trying to tell yeah. and your voice. Yeah, because the idea was I didn't want to do a music video because I didn't want to sing to the songs again. That's like I'm putting out this artist thing and it's like it's a song and promo my new song. Mm. And it wasn't about the song. It's about the campaign. The song is just my vehicle to for me to say this is me being vulnerable. This is me doing something that makes me anxious as shit. So... Join me <laughs> in yeah. doing what makes you feel anxious mm. and talking about how you feel. That's mm. that was it. I just wanted to do something as bold and as big as I could to put myself 
out there to be like, here's me doing something absolutely out of my comfort zone mm. so that, you know, when I have the conversations with other men, I can be like, well, here's me being absolutely vulnerable. So, yeah. you know, join me in that. And then I thought that, you know, to use the video as a short film rather than a music video so I could tell us, uh, you know, a story and a narrative. Again, it's leaning into my, my directing, writing, storytelling side. Mm. Fly, help which, me film. Which many people don't really know about. They Again, see the dance yeah, yeah. side. That's what I mean. I've done You've... the short films for Twist and Pulse and like, that's what I mean. I've, I did a tale to tell, which was my first like big short. And then I moved into this and I had a friend called Hannah who's incredible and she helped me sit down and go through like the concept and really figure it out and blast that down with us as well. And then he was like, yeah, of course, he'll help me film it. And um, we teamed up and, and did the video for it. And that's why I come up with the whole campaign of hashtag can't say it, post it, because it leans into men not being able to talk. So if you can't talk about it, what if you just write it down, even if it's mm. just a word? Mm. It's a start and it might be enough for someone to go, I feel like that as well. Or I didn't know you felt, felt like that. Let's talk about it. It's as simple mm. as that. And then to post it, obviously a post-it note, just we wanted something that was artistic and visual, that was, you know, for the campaign, it's going to be captivating enough that when you see it, you go, that's why we went with the blue post-it notes. Mm. And obviously blue is the feeling of feeling blue. Mm. You'll see throughout the whole video, I'm always wearing gray and blue tones because it's like gray skies, feeling blue. Yeah. So everything, the bed sheets are all paneled so they're all like empty. You'll see everything in the, the video is the room. If you look at the room, there's nothing on the sides. It's completely mm. empty mm. To, to represent how I feel. Like there's so much deeper meaning to everything we did in it. Love that. And um, like you said, we show Twitch. We show my boy Jack. Robin we show Williams. Robin Williams. We also show Jason David Frank, who's the Power Ranger. I'm wearing a Power Ranger t-shirt. Wow. And he took his own life very recently as well. And Power Rangers was a huge thing for me growing up. Wow. Like, and um, he was about to bring out a new film as well, of Power Ranger film. And it's like, he had so much ahead of him as well and it just hit me way harder than I thought it would so I wanted to pay tribute to those people and um yeah so now the campaign's live and I'm just trying to get as many guys involved as possible and get people speaking even the friends that I've had get involved some of the things that they've said I, I couldn't believe and I didn't know they were going through mm. and it's shocking and it's scary that they don't feel like they can say that. Mm. And there's still things that I'm saying or writing down and showing people that I'm getting messages going, they still didn't know that. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because it's it's a fight every day. The whole concept of the video is, you know, I'm putting these post-its up on the walls and you'll see that the walls are, wall is now covered in post-it notes and it feels overwhelming. You've seen all these bad things but made it out alive. And the reason I changed to a yellow person at the end is to say, even though you felt in your darkest day here, you got up the next day enough to feel this. Mm. And the next day you felt this. But the main thing is you woke up every day mm. and you got to the next thing. You actually got up so many times that you created all of these and you're still here. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah, Like you fought so hard. So to remember you made it out alive is so special. Mm. And even like to look at it and read something that's so dark, but also to know that like you might not feel that today. So that reminds you that that, that you might feel another dark one, but at some point you won't feel it mm. again, which is why even when I wrote the song, very natural, that's why I said made it. Yeah, you made it. Yeah. It's repeating itself. as like telling yourself when you're looking in the mirror yeah. and it says you, I, as if you're telling I someone that, that as well, you said you are made it. I am made it. It's like, yeah, yeah I'm swapping because I want it to be me telling you when you're listening. Yeah. But also, if you're looking in the mirror, you're telling, telling you, you, like you're yeah. really telling yourself, like, 
remember that you got here. Like you made it through whatever thing that was destroying you mm. and you're here now. And tomorrow, you made it again. Like it's it's a win. Every day is a win. Mm. Every single time you get to the next pose, it's a win. So if you need to just keep writing it down, just keep writing it down. It doesn't matter as long as you keep writing it down. As mm. long as you make it to the next one. Yeah. Because it's never going to, you know, they say there's no cure for mental health. It can only be managed. And, you know, I, I originally had the concept of like writing down good things to try and think, oh, that's, that was a good thing. So if I can think of a good thing, then tomorrow I can think of another good thing. But it isn't that. The thing is every day you're struggling with the bad thing. So mm. that's, and that's the thing that's at the forefront of your mind. And hiding it is what, you know, is what men are, the stigma is that we do and we keep it to ourselves. So keeping it all in my room and stuff on that in the video is, you know, representative of not trying to let anyone else in into your personal space, into whether in your mind or whatever that is. Until you realize at the end of the video that there's other guys with post-it notes and they all have feelings and everyone's hiding it in their mm. bags, on their laptops, in their pockets. Yep, yeah. You know, and it's like you could be walking down the street and you see someone drop out post-it notes because and you're like yeah yeah and there's like a moment that i really love in in the film where i pick up one that's by itself and it says i don't want to be here and like it makes me think of jack because i think if i'd known he'd felt like that earlier maybe he would still be here if he was willing mm. to show me that he felt like that and finding it by itself and looking around and no one being there is like maybe we were too late mm. because they didn't say and how important that is that like to say it and to, to speak to, to someone, yeah. Make people aware. I think there's always help out there. Mm. Talking about it, it's, a, it's the first point of just like admitting to yourself that there's a problem mm -hmm. and you're able to do something about it once you want to do that. Don't get me wrong, like it's, it's still horrible. <laughs> mm. Like even this, like it's still so hard. Well, we saw today the, the campaign. Yeah. People that picked up the post-it notes to write something. Some people were like, no way. You know, we asked people to, uh -huh. you know, people were like, no way. Um, but then some people couldn't, almost couldn't wait to mm. get things off their chest. We had a few people that were writing on the post-it notes and just, yeah, you know, and you, you, you saw the look in some people's eyes. Somebody wrote heartbroken. Yeah. And you looked into their eyes and it was, it was like. I went to cry instantly because mm. you could just tell like, it's such a like, not normal one but as in like it's such a more like common feeling mm. because you know relationships are are break breakups happen you know a lot or whatever but that feeling you know when you feel like you've lost something which is what started obviously my my kind of um uh downward spiral and i look and yeah i looked at them and thought i can literally see the heart like ache in your eyes and mm. it was so sad but so brave of them to write it. Mm. And that's what's so like, like I wanted to hug them by the giant board. <laughs> and I couldn't. And look, for them to see, they obviously came over, looked at the board because the board was quite filled by that time. Mm. And they saw obviously everybody else who had been through something mm. looking at that board. I think the more the board is filled, the more people were willing to open up and, and yeah. you know, share yeah, it themselves. Yeah. Which so is, think, again, what's the campaign is for? You, because you see other people doing it. It puts you a bit at ease to know that you're not the only one. Because I think 100%. loneliness is one of the biggest killers. Mm. I feel people commit suicide through feeling alone, through feeling like yeah. they're the only people going through what they're going through. Um, I know you said about, you know, 
there's no cure to to mental health and mm. I, I i i agree because i feel like your mental health is something you need to consistently work at mm. and it's something that we need to manage but i do feel that we can get to the root of why we feel a certain yeah, way. Yeah, I think you can understand it. Yeah. Understand 100%. it and then work on that. Yeah. So whether it's and obviously the documentary I'm creating on, you know, the correlation between adverse childhood experiences, so trauma and childhood mm. trauma and the things that happened to us on our childhood and not necessarily big things, but you know, little things. For example, the way we were parented or the way yeah, yeah. our parents withheld their love of certain things. And it it, it affects the way we see the world, we react to the world, our relationships, the way we deal with stress, the mm. way we deal with uh, obstacles in our lives. You know, it's, you know, if you, you're brought up, built with resilience, we're a lot more able to manage things later on in mm. life, you know? And yeah, um, but yeah so I, th I feel that if you can, and that's why I think therapy is quite good. Yeah. Is, is, I'd tell anyone to go to therapy. Did your therapist ever locate any feelings that you were feeling to any past experiences? Or is um, it more a case of what you were going through currently? I did one, I can't remember what it's called now, where they use stones to map out your life, basically. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No. So it's called something. I don't know what it is now. Um but basically, you, they put out, they literally poured a, a, a bag of stones in front of you, mm. all different pebbles and whatnot. And I'm thinking, what's going on here? <laughs> and they basically say, pick out one that reminds you of your mum. Right. You pick out one, one pick out one that reminds you of your dad. Pick out the one that reminds you of you, and you're like, what the hell's going on, whatever. And then they go, okay, pick up your ex girlfriend. Pick out your ex before your ex girlfriend, or like the people as closest in your, like 10 closest people. You do that. And then they, she picks up one and goes, who's this? And you say, it's your mom. And you say, why is it your mom? You're like, I don't know. You say, look at it, why is it your mom? And then you realize it's smooth and small and a bit delicate. Yeah, and my yeah. dad's one was big and a bit rough, yeah. but like solid. <laughs> and then my ex is like, you know, a bit more shiny and like got a bit of a curve to it. And like, you start realizing how representative they are. Right. And then you have to put them into a circle you put you in the middle and then you put everyone around you, but how close they are to you. Right. And then you start realizing like this person is closer than this person in your mind, but you don't know why mm. it's really, yeah. I don't, I know, I was, yeah, I don't know enough about it to talk about it properly now. Yeah. But, yeah. But yeah, when you That's start doing it, exercise to see yeah, I was thinking, what is this? But yeah, I don't know you're, you, you very much think of details. So you would have automatically, maybe even subconsciously gone, right, this yeah. is what that is. Which is, I think, is the point is that, yeah, you naturally do that. And you also, you know, when you line them up in the circle of like closest to you, you don't realize who's still close to your heart and potentially isn't even in your life right now and mm. where they sit and, you know, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was super interesting. But that's the only thing I think where, we went kind of like back into stuff because it was more Sometimes about you don't need to where I am now and what I was. more about maybe you opening up and talking about. Yeah, and there was so much at the time and it was every week there was a new mm. argument or, mm. you know, trouble financially or, you know, something that I was worrying about more than I was worrying about or not understanding in my physicality of my like anxiety and how it was affecting me, like my body. And I was worrying about like, how do I get rid of that? How do I stop that? And, you know. Was it was it a, 
was it a psychotherapist? Was it a psychologist? Was it a counsellor? Uh, what counsellor? Yeah, counsellor. Going with counsellor. Yeah, I'm sure it was a counsellor. Yeah, yeah. And um, so they wouldn't have gone into like the science behind certain things no. or explain it. It's more a case of it was a sit on the couch, say how you feel, and mm. and that's what you needed at that time. Yeah, that's exactly what I needed because I just wanted to say exactly what I was angry about, what I was sad about. It took me ages to like open up. But then once I broke the seal, it was like floodgates open, crying all the time. It was like that big hole. I could have waited to get there and crawl to cry my eyes out in front of her. Yeah, <laughs> like, you like hold in some cries. Yeah, it got to the point where I started doubling the length of my sessions because I spent so long crying <laughs> that I never actually spoke about anything, and I wanted I to get laugh. into stuff. And I was no, but it's, it is funny because it's like I got I, we we would laugh about it because I'd say to her, like. I got too much to talk about. By the time I've caught you up on my last week, we haven't actually gone into it. Yeah. I've just said, this has happened, this crazy, this and this happened, this happened, this happened. But we haven't actually gone, how do you feel and have mm. the, like, done the work? I've just, I feel like I spent the whole time catching you up yeah. on why this person said this and I got this text message about this and that made me feel like this. Mm. We haven't actually done any of the work. So we had to start doubling <laughs> the length of the sessions, which they don't Dig, usually like to pocket. do. But just the way I was processing it, I felt like I needed that because they yeah. said usually that's not not the right way to do it but I felt you like felt I needed that, that. Right yeah and I needed this I didn't have the money to but I felt like I needed the space to also cry and yeah yeah do all of that sort of side of it what are you doing now to work on your mental health are you doing anything at the moment um not right now so I stopped with that therapist for quite a while um and then I when I moved into my new house and got settled there about six months in i started seeing a new therapist nearer to where i would just move to because of loneliness and struggling with being by myself mm. and like being in a house alone and like obviously i just lived with lisa and johnny and joey and i missed the dog and i didn't even have him so it felt like i'd already lost a child <laughs> like do you know what i mean like it's hard when you go away on holiday and you're like, oh my God, I miss my dog. And I'm like, I've basically just gone, mm. I don't live with my dog. It was, do you know what I mean? It felt like that. Um, I understand that. So yeah, I was I was struggling with that and trying not to, trying to give them back their life and not be the person that's on the phone every evening. How was your day? And like, because I need mm. someone to speak to because I'm now doing my thing. Yeah. I, I was purposely trying to not be a part of their life still. Or... Did you want to? Yeah, of course I did. Yeah, of course I did. And to be fair, like Lisa made a point of making sure she was still checking in on me every day. And I, I did have them like moments where, you know, I'd have like a mate around or whatever and thinking I'd oh, stay for a couple of days and be like, does Lisa call you every day? Because they still didn't know, obviously the backstory of like why that is because mm. she was obviously checking to be like, are you actually okay? Is things checking in on me properly from a from a friend perspective honestly she's like a blessing yeah and then like the an thing angel. is it was never felt like that it never felt like my phone calls were like mental health check-ins either it was just she was just catching up with me yeah, yeah. but by doing that she was already ticking the box of yeah. what i needed from a friend to make sure i felt like someone was thinking about how i felt do you know what i mean i think we all need to do that more with all of our friends yeah people that are close to us it's crazy to think how many lives could potentially be saved because of it, you know? Yeah, I've spoken to friends recently and said, like, in, like, when I was feeling a bit rougher more recently, and I said to friends, like, even to Ashley, like, insert yourself into my life. 
because I'm not going to ask you to come around. Mm. Just come and knock. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm not going to say I feel like I'm by myself all the time. But I do mm. feel like I'm by Like when I feel okay to say it, I say it and I can just go, I'm not probably going to say it again for another six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So just show up at my house or just call me or just invite me for dinner or whatever. Mm. I might say no. Like make a point, like Lise would just show up and <laughs> turn my house or would she? Yeah, yeah. Amazing. She would do things like that. Do you know what I mean? Obviously now she doesn't so much, she's got stuff going on, but as in the understanding is still there. Do you mm. know what I mean? And I feel more comfortable now that I've I've been here, been living there long enough now. And other friends I've opened up to more. So my support what at one point was just them. But now it's opened up. It's more. bigger. Yeah. So my other friends are more understanding. Ashley's more understanding. Jermaine, yourself, my friend Bly, Hannah. I've got so many really good close friends that I speak to on a on a regular basis that all kind of check in in their right. own ways. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And they know that as well. So it it there's an understanding there that, that shows the importance of just expressing how we're feeling, just letting mm. people know. And it, it's hard because Sometimes, like you said, you don't want to burden people. You don't want to. We're scared like to open loads, up, and yeah. it's you know, but it's it's such an important thing just to be honest and open with how we're feeling. Yeah, it is, man. And then, like I said, it's still tough now. And like, I still, as much as I speak about how I feel, I still don't speak about how I feel. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Still, of course. I still like have to have really yeah. long motivational speaks and my talks to myself to say. When you go around there, you're going to say mm. you felt rubbish lately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or getting a text, I have to stare at it for a very long time and say, don't say, yeah, all good. Yeah. Just wait. Say something mm. that actually, say, bit stressed, bit exhausted at the moment. Say, just say something a little bit real. Yeah. Just give them a little bit of something to know that you're not. can so easily be, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, I'm yeah. good, you. you know? yeah. There was that campaign, wasn't it? Roman Kemp did it's about asking maybe twice or three times that like, how are you mm. like, how are you like mm. delve deeper in because our first reaction is yeah i'm good yeah no really how are you reaction, you know, yeah. how are you feeling that's and then and then that person can think about what they want to say how they say it whatever yeah but it's still tough because sometimes i know i still mask my messages and i still mask responses and at least you're conscious of it yeah you are i'm making trying some sort of an effort <laughs> yeah um and that's important. Yeah. Like, I don't feel like I'll always be completely open. Sometimes you just don't, sometimes you just don't want to talk about it. Yeah. You just, I'm, I'm, I've felt like shit, but I'm all right feeling like I just don't want to talk about yeah, it. Yeah. I don't want to open up that can of worms, those yeah. feelings. But I think it's so important to, to sit with your feelings. Yeah. I struggle. It's so important to sit with your feelings and just allow yourself because you could be busy all day, you go to bed, you go home, you go to sleep next day and you're not really sitting with, right, how did I feel today? Yeah. What happened to me during the day? Yeah, yeah. How did I feel about that? Mm. Why do I feel about that? And then once we can make sense of those feelings, we can kind of, yeah. go, right, okay, I felt like that way, that yeah. and that and that. And then, yeah, I, I think that's where people's mental health deteriorate is not allowing yourself to process your emotions. Yeah. It's like, like the one thing I was going to say is that I've struggled with a lot recently is sometimes I feel sad for no reason. Mm. And I That's get a... frustrated because I don't understand, but I just feel so sad. But I can't talk about it because I don't know. Like I don't have like a, this has just happened and I just feel sad. And it's like that, a weird space to be in. It sounds like an unprocessed emotion. Yeah. Something that you haven't addressed at the time it happened. Mm. So you've 
it's dug down deep. I yeah. mean, it, it will surface. It will surface in your feelings. It will surface in illness. Mm. It will surface in stress. Your hair loss. Yeah. So why, do you know what I mean? All yeah, these sorts yeah. of things happen because we're not dealing with how we're feeling. Yeah, we're yeah. not allowing ourselves to feel that way, and just it's okay to feel that way. Yeah, yeah. We can. We're we're human beings. We're not robots. We're, yeah. it's, it's all right to feel like it's just shit. getting a message about oh you're all good, and I'm thinking no, but they're gonna be oh what's up, and I'm gonna go. <laughs> that, I don't know. <laughs> I just don't want to feel very good today. That's yeah. how. That's where I'm at. That's some of the days are the weirdest ones because I'm just, you know, it's different when you know that like, you're. Do you, is there or, anything that you do during that time to usually listen to sad music and make it worse? You listen to do you? <laughs> yeah, usually. It's fucked up. I know, man. I don't. It's a song called "Sad for No Reason." And it's like my anthem. I'm like, really? Sad. But and I just sing along. Fair, do you cry during that when you watch it? When you listen to it? Um. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. But that's your way of processing yeah. it and maybe letting it out. Yeah, like, I put on sad music on purpose to cry sometimes to or a sad film because, yeah, I think like letting it out is... That's so fascinating. Yeah. I know a lot of people do that. I don't... I, I'm more the opposite. I'm more trying to make myself feel good, mm. which is maybe not healthy. I don't know. Yeah. Because I'm not letting know, myself yeah. feel that way. I cry at everything anyway, naturally, just yeah. as a person. Like, I can cry at a superhero film if it's Same. epic enough. If someone lands really cool, I get goosebumps <laughs> and I get emotional because <laughs> I think that's so cool. <laughs> like, I can cry from that yeah. and I can cry from watching Grey's Anatomy and someone just says a really good line, a really powerful one. I'm like, you feel my it eyes, like I have to leave the room. Like, I can, yeah. I can do that on anything anyway. And music, if I just think a song is good, I can just cry because I, I understand it and I just think it's so good mm. so i have like a different different levels of tears and like that well, that's because i feel like i just feel things really passionately yeah like everything like that do you know what i mean i can get a nice text and i can be like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know i mean that's why i said this thing's been quite exhausting because some of the messages aren't deep mm. and heavy some of them are just really nice but really nice also makes me cry so yeah. it's like it's because you're very empathetic as well you're you're picking up that energy mm. it's like it hits your heart every yeah, time you're yeah. reading something like that. Um, but just make sure that you're supported whilst you're doing that and, yeah. you know, keeping yourself nice and healthy. Yeah, I'm trying to be better with it. And obviously doing this song is like, especially for my family, because I don't think any of my family knew any of this. Mm. But you did the whole thing of watching this with your, fa watching the mm. film with your family and getting both of their reactions and the difference between your dad watching it and your mom watching it is so literally how you basically explained your parents earlier on. My dad said like this, the whole, the whole <laughs> video, you know, just like this, <laughs> not even smiling, just, <laughs> I can't even do it. And then at the end, silence. And I, you're me, he was like this. And he went, and he looked at me and you know, obviously I was smiling and then he went <laughs> and then his wife went are you crying? He went huh? No? Not me? <laughs> that was it. That was, he, it. that was his response. He was so proud though. Of course I know so that like... but it's it's crazy whereas my mum like I said before, before the video before I'd even, I didn't even tell her there was a song about mental health or anything I just yeah. said oh, I'm going to show you something I've been doing and she started crying you felt it, and I was like why are you crying? And then obviously as soon as the song started she was like oh my god it's going to be sad and I was like shush mm. I've been first line and she was like <laughs> <laughs> like complete opposite reactions you know what I mean mm. but that's just but again my dad he's if he ever watches this like he got got up and left the room like randomly when we were his. talking and when I first told him that I was depressed and had been going to therapy deep into like 
really, really bad times. I obviously hadn't told him for a long time. Once I finally opened up about it, yeah, like mid me talking, like, oh, you're depression. He just got up and walked out of the room. Mm. And we, I just carried on talking to his wife, and then he just come back in and sat down and carried on as if he. No one ever said anything right. about the fact that he just walked out of the room <laughs> during the middle of a conversation. But that was his way of dealing with it. Yeah, I don't know if he went outside and cried. I don't know if he went outside and just took a deep breath of fresh air. I don't know mm. if he went and made a cup of tea and didn't care and just was not. In, mm. I don't know. But I, t I always take it as he was emotional and just wanted a moment to. I did want to maybe and didn't break in front you. of me. Yeah. But, it seems like that's the way he is. He doesn't and, want to show that emotion to you. Yeah. And the hardest thing was the first time I ever heard him cry was when my granddad was dying. Wow. And he called me sniffling really? and crying. Wow. And that's when I was like, and it was like, turn around, you need to come to hospital right now. Mm. And that was when I was like, because that hit me because obviously it's my dad that doesn't cry. Yeah, yeah. So you know. Which, yeah, that's a lot, man. Um, yeah. Well, Glenn, we're gonna we're gonna wrap this up. Yeah, man. We've been speaking for two hours and a bit. Uh, <laughs> Lucky idea. <laughs> yeah. It's now for those like you obviously you guys don't know the the time. It's nearly twenty past eleven at night. Lovely. But um, I've I've really enjoyed having you on. Thank Is you, there man. anything you want to say before we we close off about the campaign um, or anything in general? Yeah, campaign wise, I'd. I want to keep this campaign going anyway forever. Like, oh, I know it's for mental health awareness week, month, but I will be bringing it back in the future and creating content around it. What can people do right now for the campaign to get involved? Write down how you feel. Even if it's a word, use the hashtag, can't say it, post it, and just post it on your story. Yeah, You can attach the track. It's in the Insta library, in the TikTok library. Attach it mm -hmm. and tag me and I'll share it. And um, yeah, the support system is out there. And I will support you and whoever else that is. And, you know, every feeling, every feeling is valid. And that's what I've been saying to a lot of people. Some people feel like, you know, even when they read other people's and they see depression and suicidal thoughts and they think, I just feel really tired. Mm. That's valid. Mm. There's no levels to this. There's no, that's a bigger worry than that. Yeah, no. If that makes you anxious to the point of you can't get out of bed, then who's to say that that's not as important as someone that feels depressed and do you know what I mean? It's it's your feeling. If that's how you feel, that's valid. And um, mm. yeah, I just want, I hope that people can see that, you know, reaching out and talking to people is important. And hopefully by me doing this, they feel like they can, you know, do it, do it more. So so that's, that's what I really want. So enjoy Maybe. the song, sing along. <laughs> the great song, like I said. <laughs> All the details are going to be in the description of this video. You're watching on Spotify or listening on Spotify. I'm not sure if I can do that, but no. yeah. head over to yeah. head, head over to Glenn's Instagram and you can see it there. Glenn yeah. Pulse Murphy made it out alive it's on all streaming platforms. And yeah, just thank you to everyone in my life that has been there for me because amazing. Thank you, amazing, including you. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> no, I gotta say I haven't been. I, I don't think I've been a, as good a friend, but I've been wrapped up in my own shit. Mm. Um, That's understandable. But you have been there. Right? And today you helped me, you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't have been able to do today without you <laughs> at all. So Always. I appreciate it, man. And you've been there as well. You've been one of the, probably one of the only people that have reached out to me. And you've actually shown me how to be a good friend. Mm, thank you, man. Um, oh, that's, I like so... that. <laughs> I like that as a good thing. I <laughs> yeah. can do it. Yeah, I like and on that. On that note, we're done. <laughs> Peace out. Peace out, everyone. <laughs> Sweet.